good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to Ongakadio, the podcast where three friends come together and break down what's new in the Japanese music industry. If you guys notice, this is probably a little special episode and we're a little bit spaced out this week. And if you guys, I didn't really formally announce it last week, but as of right now, uh, for this year, we're trying a little bit something new. We always, we always try to shake up the show every so often, but... As of uh, this year, of 2023, we are starting to go bi-weekly. Now, overall, how this format is going to work out is the first the first episode of the month that you'll be getting will be the Oricon chart, obviously. But because we're not doing weekly anymore, we are going to do the monthly chart. And the monthly chart will be a little bit much more interesting because of the fact that at that point, you know, we'll have listened to songs that probably had settled, isn't going to be a one-hit wonder, and aren't re- aren't going to really, not waste, but take up too much of our time trying to think about a song that's literally going to escape our brain for a week later. The monthly songs will actually give us a chance to kind of see overall how people in Japan or Japanese music listeners really treat the industry and what they think about the song because of the fact that it keeps selling. So oh, that's the premise of all three of us, what we thought, and now we are going to be doing the monthly charts. I'm looking forward to Me it. Me too. I think it'll be exciting. And for the second episode of the month that we'll be doing, we'll be actually doing a topic. Um, it's been a while. It's been forthcoming of what we've been doing for for a while now we kind of moved away from it last year but now we have topics and we really want to be able to talk about things that's pertaining to not only the japanese music industry or just the music industry in general because i think it's a little bit more important that we be able to talk about certain things that eventually will creep their way over either from k-pop or western influences so i'm looking forward to that our first topic actually after this episode is something that kind of showed up and reared its ugly head in because of the Kohaku so be on the lookout for that and I know what you guys are thinking what about Music Corner? Music Corner will be featured on our site at ungakadu.com pretty much every week so if you guys want to be able to look at Music Corner go right ahead from there and one of the topics of the month that we'll be doing further down the line will be our Music Corner Roundup, so just be on the lookout for that. But yeah, as if you guys see with this episode, we are talking about, once again, the Kohaku Uta Gaksen, or the NHK Red vs. White End of Song Festival. So we do this every year around the beginning of the year, and we, we really do love covering the Kohaku. It's probably one of our favorite times because we get to see how the Japanese music industry takes in overall what the new trends of the years and what they think is very interesting about it. So a little bit of background here. You know, this is the first time since the 70th, which is 2019, that it was going to be in the NHK Hall. And they had a couple of presenters they had uh, Yo Ozumi and Kana Hashimoto who are both actresses or actor and actresses and Sakurai Sho from Arashi who was the mediator in between so 
that was very very interesting to have these three get or three hosts overall how did you think of the hosts and what did you think they brought this year compared to years priors i i think the hosts were great it you know they brought all their energy as usual and i always enjoy seeing the back i also love seeing shosakudai back because it's always a joy seeing him um but I I thought they brought the fun to it, you know, especially Oyuzumi. I feel like Oyuzumi always just goes, he always just has these happy, excited expressions and just always, you know, makes your day. Yeah, uh, you know, this is what, his third time in a row doing the Kohaku. Uh, Yo, Oyuzumi, uh, it's been a blast the past two years and... One of the shining stars uh, of the show, uh, I've really enjoyed his tenure as one, as one of the presenters uh, for it. Uh, I really liked Kana Hashimoto. Uh, I, I really felt like she'd done a great job keeping up with him. Uh, in the years past, like I always felt like uh, you know he would suck all of the uh, oxygen out of the room because he's such a he can be such a bombastic personality at times. Yeah, he's and very charismatic. I really, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's why he he got he gets the job, and that's why people like him. And so, you know, I, I can't fault him for that. Uh, but I always felt like the female presenter never did a good job of keeping up with him. But I felt like Kana uh, Hashimoto did a great job uh, keeping up with him, and she felt just as involved in it as uh, he was. Uh, she got featured in a couple of the acts, which was really nice. And I, I thought she did a lovely job. I, th- I thought she did a really good job keeping up with him. And I would love to see her come back. Uh, I don't know if she will or not, uh, but uh, I would love to see her come back. I thought she did an amazing job this year. But yeah, I think one of the things that will be very interesting this this year is, you know, they had a lot of background artists sh- rear their head up and didn't necessarily have an act but was an integral part to several acts. And this year, you know, it was Tokyo Ska, Paradise Orchestra, and I'm pretty sure somewhere Kill is, like, going losing his goddamn mind right now by hearing that. But overall, how did you think about their presence? And we'll, we'll talk about them throughout the show, but overall, how did you think their presence through this year's show kind of shined through? You could tell by the music and just the ambience of it the stage presence presence they display makes a big deal and i loved that about it you know it made things unique and them stick out i i thought they did a good job i i would have i mean it was nice that uh you know you get to see them periodically throughout the night and stuff like that and you know they kind of were able to stay throughout the whole show uh, as opposed to, you know, like being one act and then kind of leaving. Uh, so it, it was nice. They did a really good job. And there's a lot of songs where uh, their expertise was was really nice. It shone through. Uh, and uh, they, they did a good job. They had a, I mean, they had a really standout night. Yeah, and with that, let's start with the opening act here. And it was Stones with their song, Good Luck. Now... For, for me personally, I really thought that Good Luck was a little bit of a a nice way to open up because of the fact is, you know, it's using English. You know, a lot of people internationally are probably not going to 
stay up, you know, pay attention throughout the entire part of the night. But the hook of everyone singing in English was very nicely done to garner international attention. And honestly, it's probably one of the better songs that they did to really hype up this crowd that, you know, we're back kind of thing. Yeah, I think they did a great job at that. I love the energy this brought with Stones and getting everyone involved, seeing everyone start singing along. You could see the energy that they tried to get everyone hyped for the beginning of the show. And it was a great way to start out, I thought. Um, I just I just love the stage presence, hearing everyone sing and dance and just see all the acts that were going to be in the show involved in the opening. Yeah, this is definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's always important in productions and, and stuff to start off on the right foot. And I really felt like this with Stones did that. I, I felt like uh, this was just a great way to start the night. Uh, it's such a fun song. I, I forgot how good the song was. And it was really nice to go back and hear it. Uh, and uh, these guys are having just uh, the time of their life. I, I had a just a fun time with this, and that's what you want, especially you know opening number. Uh, and it, it, you can kind of look at it also as like them wishing everybody the best of luck at, for their performances. Sort of, it was a good way uh, thematically also to uh, start off the evening, and uh, it just it worked really well. And I think Stones had one of the better acts of the night. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But with that, moving on to one of the more bigger bombastic ways of showing off here is Yoshimi Tendo with her song Sodan Matsubushi. And she came down like a gosh darn priestess with two, like, you know, uh, they, they are muscle social media personalities that kind of rear its head on YouTube occasionally. But they really brought in this whole festival vibe so much with this song and it was really nice to see that because of the fact that she was the opening act for the red team the the female side here you know it was very nice to see everyone on stage kind of enjoying that vibe as well i agree i actually really enjoyed how she came out and just being pulled up on that stage like a princess like you mentioned ken and so on matsu matsu Matsuri Bushi is a great song to do on that and I just loved how it played out on there and not to mention just seeing the crowd get all excited and see everyone on stage all excited about it too I just think it was such a nice touch and I feel like Yoshimi always has such a great performance and I always love listening to her music uh, yeah, no, Yoshimi, you had uh, an amazing performance uh, for the night. And again, it's an, another great way to kick off the red team uh, as an opening act, uh, really just setting the tone for the night. Uh, this was great. And, uh, you, you know, talk about an entrance. I mean, when she got pulled in on that float, uh, that, that was just so cool. Uh, and I, I think there's one entrance that we'll talk about later that tops this, but... I mean, to have like one of the better interests of the night, uh, just, you know, right in the beginning, just kind of like, like setting your mark and leaving, I guess. Uh, so it was uh, mystifying to see, but I mean, she did a great job and just, uh, I love the dance that this one had. It was, it was a cute little 
like strongman dance that everybody was doing. It was just so cute. Yeah. Uh, it worked really well. I, I thought it was a fun song, and uh, it, it seemed to get the crowd worked up and going. And that that's what you kind of want with these the first two opening acts, and they kind of set the mood that, uh, unfortunately, several other acts weren't able to follow, but that that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but with that, let's continue on to our third act here, and this is the Ryuko Shoku Shakai, and this is their debut appearance on the Kohaku and obviously they were going to perform Melee uh Malia it it's the song that put them literally on the map for social media presence it this is the song that that everyone was going to probably know them for it wasn't going to be you know other anime songs it was going to be this song <laughs> yeah I'm not surprised I knew uh Uryoko Shokushakai would perform Mela Mela just just given the amount of momentum it brought and i love the energy they brought to it i think they did a great job i felt all the emotions you know and it's also nice seeing a music corner alum on stage so that made me smile yeah this was a crowd pleaser and that that was really my big takeaway from this uh this is just it's really works you know this i think this song in a lot of ways works really well in front of a crowd uh, it plays to the crowd, uh, and uh, uh, Ryoku Shoku Shakai uh, just really does such a good job. And I mean, they all look like they were having a blast. Uh, I, I loved that. You know, it's it's nice when you know you see these performances, and then you look on the performer's face, and they're having the time of their life. Uh, oh, it yeah. helps sell the performance, and I, I think they just did it I, uh they're eating up the every second they're there and uh this was a great number uh i really like this yeah with that let's go on to our next here act here and it is hiromi go with his literally anniversary special um celebrating 50 years in the industry you know and what was very interesting for for him is you know, this special medley really showed what his mark on the industry was. No, I agree. It really did. And I always enjoy Hidomi Go just because he has that energy. And I love how he always starts off backstage and moves around, enjoys himself, sings with everyone. And I also love hearing Goldfinger 99. So that's... Oh, yeah. Most, most, most definitely. It's just a ton of fun, and it was a great medley in general, but Goldfinger 99 was the highlight for me, and seeing everyone get so excited. I mean, you see Kana Hashimoto, you know, Yoazumi, you see the crowd, everyone just goes wild. I love the dancing and how much they incorporated into this. You know, when he makes it onto that stage and starts singing that, it just wows you. Yeah, I... Loved it when Kana Hashimoto joined him in the uh, performance. I mean, and she's with him for a while, you know, another like a good solid minute or, or if not longer. And then, you know, he, he he I do like how he always does this kind of like backstage to in the crowd to ending on the stage. Uh, and even though he's been in the music industry for 50 years, he's not he is not running low on energy. So... Uh, he really brings it, uh, and he does a—he's a performer 
every year just an absolute blast to watch so I, I had a lot of fun with this and it's nice to see him doing what he does best yeah no i'm like e- even so like the performance overall you know i i honestly wasn't i wasn't able to dive right into it i really enjoyed it mostly because of the fact that he showed that he had songs from all the eras from showa heisei and reiwa and the fact that he really showed off different styles and personalities of each era throughout the background with the dancers and stuff like that was really really interesting and i don't know if you guys caught this well his last song with the the john campo song which is literally rock paper scissors for us you know it really showed that he hasn't really missed a step and the fact that he played a game with the audience and everyone involved too for that was something that i absolutely really did love yeah, I, I agree. The interaction with the audience and it made you want to be there with them if you weren't because he had so much fun playing junk and pull. Yeah, it, it's he uh, Hiromi Go is one of the few people that really knows how to integrate the audience into the performance. And uh, it, it'd be nice if more people did that. But I, I think him and maybe, maybe like two or three other people really only utilize the audience to full effect so uh but hiromi go playing john Kempo with the audience that was a lot of fun yeah no most definitely and with that let's move on to our fifth act here and it is nani ni wandanshi this is their debut and obviously they were going to sing ubu love with this now i i'm not too sure if this really worked with me hearing it live it just never really had that oomph that i kind of fell in love with the first time around with this song that's the only mark that i kind of give it overall i thought it was a fine performance but hearing ubu love live wasn't something that took me off my feet so to speak yeah i felt the same way i thought it was really good really cute but it also felt just very expected and i was hoping there would be a little bit more to it but i think all in all naniwa danshi did a good job doing ubu Ravu. but at the same time i was just expecting a little something more maybe some more energy maybe some more oomph something a little more out there like some of the other johnny's artists have brought some very unique things to the stage. And I'll never forget when one of the groups came out in roller skates and it was all the Johnny's Juniors. And it just wowed the audience. So I, I wasn't expecting that big, you know, some, that extravagant, but I was expecting a little something more than what we got. Yeah, man, Hasty Jump did that twice. And man, I, I hope when they come back, I, I hope they do it again because the act on, on roller skates, that was phenomenal uh but i i like this so this i I don't know i i didn't walk into this with really high expectations uh i i like this i thought it worked i i like this song i like these guys i man if i had the money i would own this on cd uh i I loved this performance i like the bubbles i love their outfits i love the colors that they incorporated in it uh 
Uh, they did play it safe, uh, but the choreography that they were doing works. And it's nice. It suits the song. It, it, you know, this it's a cutesy song, and it requires cutesy choreography. And I, I think w- within those bounds, I think it worked great. And I thought they did an excellent job. I, I I think they were my favorite Johnny's group of the night. I, I like I said, I liked it. I thought it was a, a lot of fun, and I, like I said, I, I didn't know what to expect. Because I've never seen them live, so I kind of went in with low expectations, I guess, and I walked away pretty well, I happy. Mean, I th- for the most part, all of us haven't seen them live. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, that's true. That's very true. But yeah, it's, it's like I did. I, I liked it. I, I don't know what more to say, but I, I, mm. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah. With that, let's move on to the sixth act here, and it is Mizu Morika Ori with her act, the Kujikuri Hama, and this was a special collaboration with a kind of personality quiz master here, and and I'm guessing this particular act, you know, a lot of these these acts were a little bit front heavy on audience participation you don't see that very much so in the second half but it was very heavy this <laughs> on the front half here and you know overall you know it was all right i did not care personally about the the collaboration that they did with the the quiz maker guy it honestly made the karaoke part of the song a little bit much more annoying because of the fact that they had randomly read letters across this and you know at the end i'll be all sakura sakura show was a part of the act so to speak and you know it was something very interesting but overall took away from the enjoyment that i had with Mizumori Kaori with her performance overall. Yeah, I mean, I I pretty much feel the same way you said, Ken. I, I didn't care for the Quizmaster part. I I thought the song was great. You know, Kujukuri Hama was... It, it was beautiful. I don't honestly have too much to say about Mizumori Kaori's performance. I mean, I thought it was good, but it was nothing that really wowed you or anything like that. For me, it kind of just felt there. I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I was also very indifferent on it. Yeah, I I, I was a bit indifferent on this one. I felt like uh, Kaori Mizumori's vocals was really good. I thought the song that she picked was pretty solid. Uh, the I did find the girls dancing in the background with the word pushed uh, on their backs was a bit distracting. But overall, you know, I thought this was a solid performance. It wasn't my favorite, but it, it gets the job done. I also liked it when they ripped her dress off and she had that nice pink dress underneath it. Uh, there, there's a couple of costume changes uh, in the night and this was the first one, but I, I, I thought it did. I thought it worked good uh, for what they were trying to do uh, and stuff. Uh, the quiz stuff, I, I also kind of got lost on. I was like, I, I'm not too well, certain. I, mean, I had assumed that both you and, and Luna would probably not really care about it because of the fact that it's very japanese <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that I don't 
yeah. care about that fact. I mean, I thought it was a beautiful performance. I do like, you know, that it was very Japanese. It was not modern in any sense. And I do like that. That's what makes it stand out. I think the more reason I was indifferent on it is the Quizmaster or anything. But I also feel like it didn't quite stand out. But I guess that's a good thing, which which makes it more traditional. So I I'm kind of we'll, like we'll talk about uh, We'll talk about something that a collaboration that they did that really stand out in about a couple acts from now. So don't worry about that. <laughs> so with that, let's continue on to the seventh act here. And I always have a difficulty of saying this. It's less, less, less seferum, I believe. Less seraphim. Less seraphim. <laughs> yeah. Like the angel. Like the angle? La <laughs> <laughs> Seraphim? La yeah, Seraphim with their debut, with their song from uh, called Fearless. This is the Japanese version, obviously. If you ha- if you hear me speak difficulty of La Seraphim, it's because they're Korean. <laughs> they are the first Korean act of the night here. And <laughs> the dance was impressive, but granted, this was not really for me to really take in. But, you know, I appreciated for what it was. And if you're looking at something, it'll be, it's there. I thought it wasn't the most insulting thing in the world. So I actually really enjoyed it i haven't listened uh, i'm very familiar with la seraphim but i haven't listened to a lot of their korean music i thought their dancing was amazing they did such a good job and you could tell the girls were a little nervous because you can see kind of hashimoto speaking to them a little bit and i think they did a really good job though and i really i'm I'm glad to see them on stage. I actually thought their vocals were pretty good, too. I know they are a very dance-heavy unit, but at the same time, I think they also still have solid vocals. And also, they do have a couple Japanese members, so they have Sakura and Kazuha, which I think is a unique thing for them to have. So them being on the Kohaku is Uh, pretty cool. the, the The main girl from this is is uh what's her name from from i'm forgetting what it is um i know what you're talking about it's where i zone came from is one i zone there we go is one yeah is one so i mean i like their act i think they did a good job you know and you could tell the girls were nervous but and, and I, I totally see your point, especially because they are K-pop branching over. But at the same time, I think they did the best they could. And I did enjoy their performance. And I think I'm probably one of the ones who goes both ways on some of these because I do enjoy some K-pop. But I, I liked it. I thought it was a one of the... I don't want to say like best performances K-pop-wise of the night because we do have a lot of k-pop who joined the stage but here's the thing that i'm a little bit interested on so obviously yeah they're a k-pop group but the thing is they're led by sakura yes they're led by her yeah that she's the main leader so would would you call them a j-pop group 
I think they could go both ways, and I don't know how to determine that because they started off in Korea first, so I think people say they're, you know, a K-pop group, but they're like a mixed group because I know Korea has a lot of ones that have a lot of uh, C-pop artists, you know, like FX did. Um, So I don't know. I'm really torn on how to categorize them because they really could go either way because they, you're right, they're led by Sakura, and they do have two members who are Japanese, three members who are Korean. They can do both languages, which I think is something great to have in the industry to make them more versatile to be able to jump over. I It's really hard to, I don't know, I, I kind of almost just want to say pop more than anything because I, I putting a label on it is really difficult now that you, now that you think about it. I think there's a growing industry in the idea of like the multinational idol group. So, you know, you have, uh, and I, this mostly comes out of Korea, but you have members from China, from Japan, from Korea, stuff like that. I think this is growing in popularity. And I think you could probably throw La Seraphim. What? And the U.S. Oh, and the U.S. I haven't seen that many U.S. people, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Girls' Generation, uh, two members are from the U.S. Um, uh, BTS, I, one of the members is from the U.S. Oh, I didn't know that. And I, I only know it off of just word of mouth. <laughs> uh, okay. There's a lot uh, of Korean Americans. I can think of a ton. I, I think you could just throw La Seraphim in like this multinational bucket that that that, that that's kind of growing and and will continue to grow. Yeah. Uh, I now I come from this. I'm I'm not really into K-pop. Uh, I'm not I really mean, into K-pop girl not, groups. N- neither am I. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but I I liked it a bit more than I thought I would. I I liked the yeah. choreography. I thought it was pretty good. I liked the the song was okay. I, I it did, now I'm not going to go out and download or add uh, same, hit the plus same. sign <laughs> uh, for 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 fearless, but for what it is for what they did, I, I actually liked it. I, I had some fun with it. I thought it was a good performance, and I, I thought it was a, a pretty solid of the girl groups that we'll talk about. They are in the top five. Of the girl group, so, <laughs> so that, that we'll talk about. What, what's What's funny is that you know the fact that you know you bring up like the Angel the Seraphim, you know they're not really thinking too deep about this because of the fact that this is technically an anagram of the phrase "I am fearless." <laughs> For what it is, it was it was all right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. To the bottom of the days here, but. With that, let's continue on to number eight here. It is Sasa Dog with their song, Cinderella Boy. Now, uh, I'm a huge proponent of Sasa Dog, and I was really, really excited about them debuting this year on the Kohaku. Now, they they really brought it, and I think, and I'm very, very proud of them for bringing, being able to go up on the Kohaku and sing their hit song, Cinderella Boy is not much of a feat that much bands are able to preview to now i don't think we'll be be ever seeing them again but overall it was a nice gesture to see them on here yeah i greatly enjoyed watching saucy dog debut cinderella boy on here and i know we've talked about them 
on the Oricon a couple times. And I've listened to a few of their songs, but I haven't listened to a ton. I think seeing them live did change it for me and making me to want to check out more because they put on a great live performance. And not just vocally, but I like the stage setup, just how they they are such a great band together and that energy they brought. I would like to see more live performances by them and, and just check out more of their music now. But I think this was a great way for them to go out on there and get their name out there, too. Yeah, I, I need to go hit the plus sign on these guys. This was a great performance overall. And uh, one thing that I, I noticed uh, I thought was just hilarious, I, I figured I'd share with you guys, is when they were doing the interview with the group before they went up, uh, before they did their performance, uh, the drummer and the guitarist both had microphones, but the bassist didn't. And the bassist looked around and he suddenly realized he didn't have a microphone. So he pretended to hold a microphone while the, the they were interviewing the guitarist. It was really hilarious. I, I don't know if Social you awkwardness to the max. <laughs> it was so great. I loved it. I, I loved it. I loved that. Uh, but this was a great performance overall. I loved the energy that they brought. Uh, Cinderella Boy is a really good song, and I thought this was great. I, I, I enjoyed it, and... Uh, I would I would love to see them back. I didn't I I'm not familiar enough with their discography to know if they would come back or not. But they probably I won't. Mean, it's 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 one of those groups that you know every year they the NHK brings in a group that never usually comes back. Case in point, have we ever saw Wanima back? <laughs> nope. No, we haven't. Okay, fair enough. I, I would I love mean, to be able to see them and say that I'm wrong, but this they are one of the groups that I don't think will be returning next year. <laughs> uh, that saddens me because Saucy Dog looks like they're having so much fun and they they oh, yeah. want to be there. Uh, like just like the the energy and the vibes that I got from them, like they want to be. That's where they want to be. Uh, oh, yeah. And so that's why I was like, man, I would love to see them come back. I know if they reached out, I know they would say yes. So, mm. But going on to what I personally think is the most awkward act of the night. And I, I solely, solely place the blame on this to the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters because of the fact that because of them... And their cheerleading group, what does the Fox say, made a huge ass resurgence in Japanese baseball this past year. Not with just Japanese baseball, with just social media in, in the Japan presidents. And the next two acts was very high, very tied to this collaboration. And I really thought it really only matched one of them. And... Let's kind of talk about it. You know, we had, first off, we had Kisuke Yamauchi, and he sung Koisudu Machikado, which is an Inca song, but spurst throughout it, they had not only the Nippon 
or the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighter dancers, but they also had HK or uh, Hinatazaka 46 along in the back dancing around to literally what is the fox say and doing this cutesy, you know, like fox poses. And overall, you know, I feel like I should be annoyed at this. But I can't be too annoyed because they're really trying to reach out to that younger generation. And they really are. And in my point of view, this could have been a lot more worse than it actually was. So I thought it was adorable. And I totally forgot about what the fox, what the fox said. I honestly, seeing the resurgence just made me laugh in a sense but I also love the cuteness of all the dancing and just seeing the background of everyone involved with the kitsune dansu and I actually had so much fun just watching everyone get really really into it and how excited everyone like you see Izumi and Hashimoto you know, and everyone just dancing along and having fun. So this is actually one of my favorite performances just because of seeing everyone just do this. And I also liked the Enka in it with the Kitsune remix. I thought that was very interesting and in how they incorporated that, the Keisuke Yamauchi song, the Koisuru Machikado. I like that they made it into that Kitsune dance remix. And it just, it was really fun. And... I was surprised how much I actually like this. I had so much fun with this performance and just the cuteness of it and all their little little ears and little tails. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so you are definitely the target audience here. <laughs> yes, I am because I am a sucker for cute things like this. And I don't know if y'all remember Carmel Dancing. That yeah, was yeah, really yeah. big, and well, I, I mean that also that that also made a huge resurgence. So I used to know the dance for that, and I used to have that on my old iPod, and I absolutely love that. I'm not really surprised by this. I, I never really listened to the "What Does the Fox Say" that much, but I knew, you know, I watched it because my sister really liked it, and then seeing this though made me really like it because it was so freaking cute. I mean, first I rolled my eyes, and then I watched it. And I'm like, okay, this is adorable. I, I really like this. I am watching everyone, loving watching everyone come around and dance and, you know, how they incorporated it in. So, I can't stand What Does the Fox Say? I, I oh, hate yeah. that song. With, with yeah, a seething yeah. passion. It just, yeah. it ruins everything it touches. Yeah. So, my enjoyment of the this performance was heavily tainted by by that just out of the but, gate and i will say this much <laughs> i will say this much i wholeheartedly agree with you but the fact fact of the matter is my point still stands it could have been a whole lot worse than in than it than we were presented with it could have oh, been a whole easily. lot worse yeah, easily, easily a lot worse granted i did get irritated <laughs> at certain parts of when he's trying to sing straightly you just hear the kick kick part i was very irritated but the fact is it was not as loud and not as the forefront of the entire song and that's the only thing that i was just like 
okay, that was an experience. I know personally I doesn't like it, and I don't know if Grey will like it. I'm, I don't know if Luna will like it either. Granted, I was wrong on the Luna part, but I was right with the Grey part. But it could have been a whole lot worse than what we were previewed to. Yeah, it, I, I will say for what it's worth, I, I, I felt like they did do a good job of matching the Inca with the song. Uh, they, they blended together pretty well. Uh, I, I did feel like Hinatazaka 46 was really cute and adorable in this performance. Uh, one thing that I noticed that they started doing this year, and this is the first act that does it, but it won't be the last, is they have um, some blended acts this year. So they'll have uh, the white team perform and then the red team perform, but the red team's on the stage with the white when the white team's performing and vice versa. Uh, and so they, there's a there's a few blended acts that we have this year that I thought was very interesting. And this was the first one that we saw, uh, and I thought that was very noticeable. Uh, mm. But it, it it did you know it, it worked for what it was trying to do. I, I like I, I get what they were going for. You're right. I'm I am not the target audience uh, for this by any means, but it is cute. I see what they were going for, and I'm glad that you know some people found some enjoyment in it. Yeah, and going on up to, you know, to, to Hinatazaka 46 here, you know, they sung their song called Kitsune, and this is the only freaking reason why they are in this particular act, because of the fact that, you know, it is tying with the, the what is the Spock saying, if you guys don't know, Kitsune is Fox in Japanese, so that's, that's everything with that. Now... <laughs> Overall, I thought it was all right. It's not too bad. And, uh, and at the end of the song, you showed Kesuke Yamauchi pop up with the the whole fox looking outfit with the ears and the tail and everything. That was that was that was pretty cute. But uh, this this wasn't my thing. Now I want to know, Luna, if this song was for you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I. So back in the day, I hated this song because my sister constantly played it. And I wanted to blow my brains out. Well, I mean, no, it's not. Not what does the socks pay, but you know, Kitsune in general. <laughs> oh, Kitsune in general. I love Kitsune. I think. I think. I thought. I actually thought it was cute. Uh, I didn't know what to think at first because I'm kind of hit or miss on Hinatazaka 46, but I actually really like Kitsune. As a song, I I thought it was really cute. Like, how did I not hear this? I actually kind of like this. So, as a Hinatazaka 46 fan, I, too, was unaware the song existed. I, I, I'm like, where did this come from? I didn't know they had a song called Kitsune at all. And I've, I've hit the plus sign on literally everything they've released. I need to go back so, and listen to some stuff because I missed something, apparently. So, Kitsune was released way back in 2019. <laughs> well, I explain. Yeah, I guess that explains why I just, I, I guess I memory hold that one. And uh, was part of Doremi Sodashido. <laughs> it was the B-side song for that particular single. Oh, okay, yeah. I remember that release because it, they, they were. It, I wanted it on Apple Music. It wasn't on Apple Music for a long time. It's on Apple Music now. I haven't gone back and listened to that in forever. I think that was their second release. So yes, it, it is their second single. <laughs> Yes. So that, but yeah, no, no, they, <laughs> that was the that was the B side song for that. That that is the majority B song for all of all of their releases for 
that particular single. So, gotcha. Yeah, but th- this was. Uh, the, the song was pretty good. I, I liked it. I thought it was cute. Uh, I had fun with it. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, it's nice to see the girls in the, the fox ears and the foxtail and stuff. I, yeah. I, I thought it was a good performance overall. Yeah. But with that, let's move on to our 11th act here. And it's JL1 with their debut and their song, Infinite. Now, holy Jesus, did they all look very, very serious with this performance. <laughs> I don't know about you, but they looked so serious when doing this performance. They did. And I wonder if they were nervous because, you know, at first when they were going on stage, you saw a couple of them give the peace sign and the thumbs up, you know, whatever, and wave into the camera. But there's a lot of members who just had this straight face that was just concentration on their act, their dancing, their vocals. So I was wondering if it was a combination of anxiety, nerves, being in a Kohaku for the first time, being this big group who's been popular lately. And I know there are some artists who do have the serious face for concentration and they just think of that. And I'm kind of wondering if that was part of it, but you could really see that look that there is a lot of concentration going on. (laughs) I, I don't know. I mean, they probably needed it. I mean, that was a pretty intense choreography oh, yeah, I mean, that they was, had. It, it, the dances was really, really good. I, I thought I really liked it. But, you know, overall, their performance of Infinity really, really drives home the point that they, they, they aren't for me. <laughs> so I'm in a, I'm in a similar boat with you, Ken. I, I loved the choreography. I loved the dance. Uh, that was about all I liked. Uh, the the song, it's okay. I, I like I've heard like the studio recording version of this song, and I, I will say I liked the live th- this live performance a bit more than you know if you're gonna just listen to it on Apple Music. Yeah. But it, it was not nearly good enough to get me to actually hit the plus sign on it. And uh, I really think, like, the the choreography was amazing. Like, this was one of the most intense dance performances of the night. Uh, I I loved this choreography. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, that it it blew my mind. And if it wasn't for the choreography, I wouldn't have a whole lot to say about this. But that that choreography was good. It, It really is. It's worth going online, looking up this performance just for this choreography. It, it's really good. Uh, there's a lot, m- lot of moving parts. There's a lot to it, and I think they nailed it. I think they really hit all their marks. It looks really good, and I mean, these guys, they, they are intense. They do not look like they're having a good time, but I, their hard work paid off in this performance as this worked really well, and they did a good job. Even though I do not like the song, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, I I feel your sentiments there. I still don't care for Infinity as a song, but I thought the live performance was great. Their choreography alone, you could tell how intense it was and all the time and effort they put into mastering that and seeing that on stage, I think was great. I mean, I, I I thought the live performance, you know, showed a good way that, hey, you know, 
we're still good live. You know, it's not all about the studio. Even though this song isn't for me by any means, I do respect them getting up on stage and putting on a great performance and, and showing, you know, that they're, they're, I'm trying to think of the word, of showing what they can do. But yeah, with that, let's move on to the 12th act here. It is Millet with Fly High. And honestly, I I really like this rendition of it. However, I really got to say the orchestra really made this performance for Fly High really, really work. And I think that, you know, this is her... This is what her third time. Yes. This is her third time, and every single time she's came on, you know, her debut was honestly it was it it, it was to us it wasn't really it was disappointing because of the fact she had no one to really react off of. Her second one last year was really really good. It was a much better performance because she had the crowd, and this time around she had not only the crowd to work off of, but a full freaking orchestra doing the rendition of Fly High. And I thought that was fan freaking tastic, and honestly, if if she just retires with this one on for the Kohaku, I'll be perfectly fine with that. I one hundred percent agree because that orchestra with her singing "Fly High" was just perfect. Everything was in tune. Her vocals were in t- tuned with the orchestra, vice versa. It worked. I love the vocals, just her in general. She looked absolutely beautiful. She was spot on. And just hearing both of them together, this was like the perfect version of Fly High. And if she did go out with this, I think this would be a great way to go out. For example, on the Kohaku, if she doesn't come back and this was the last thing she did, I would like to see her come back and do more. But I think this was a great way with the orchestra. And Fly High is such a wonderful song. And just how she knows her vocals and her what she is capable of. And how to match that with the music that's being played. So I really, really enjoyed this. I felt like this was Millet's best performance uh, at the Kohaku. I really felt like she killed it. Uh, This was just really well done her vocals were so good and the orchestra backing her sounded so good i will say it's going to be hard for her to top it this next year oh yeah because that's why we think i don't think i don't think she should come back to be perfectly honest because the fact that everything was hitting the points that it needed to hit and it would be very very difficult to kind of top this to be perfectly honest yeah, and I I do agree with the going out on a high note sort of thing. Like you did, you had three. You got progressively better as you went. I, I short sort short of magic. I don't know how you're going to top this one. No, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, you could you could plateau it, which I mean, you know, th- this this was a great performance. I would be fine with a plateau. You, you know, if she comes back and does literally a different song, but same quality, same stuff. Like I think that would be great. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. This is this is fantastic, though. I, I haven't heard the original version, and I, I like the orchestra version of the song so much. I'm worried if I go back and listen to the original, I'm not going to like it because that that orchestra I, man really just it put really, it over the top. It really sold it. It really sold it. And you know, I'm 
while I'm doing this right now, I am listening to it right now. And while I do like the the studio version of Fly High, that orchestra really kicked it up just that slight notch that it needed to hit just a tad bit more. Yeah, it, it just gives it that elevation and that yeah, presence. Yeah. It, it has a majesty about it. Uh, and I mean, it's just really good. This is, and it's a loving tribute to figure skating too. Uh, oh, yeah. That yeah. I, I really liked. Uh, I, I love like you know, there's the like the ice background. She's standing in you know the the dry ice fog. Uh, like this came together really well. And uh, like I said, short of magic, I don't know how she'll beat this. This is really good, and Millet just did a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, let's go on to our 13th act here, and it is Clap Clap. And, oh boy. Well, I don't... I don't think, you know, with Niju, I don't think that this was as bad as when I first heard it. But still not. Overall, I am not a fan of this release. And I knew this this the song was coming when Niju was going to be on the Kohaku. And I was still somewhat disappointed. <laughs> I I have your sentiments on that, too. I did not care for Clap Clap. I still think their performance was decent. They did bring some energy. And I like how the crowd got involved with the Clap Clap dance. I will say this is definitely not for me. It's not my thing. But... I can see how it got popular and why it's popular. Yeah, uh, for me, this is very much similar in the vein of Jo One. Is kind of how is was my takeaway from it. I thought the choreography was done really well, and I thought the girls uh, were having fun. I think you know the performance itself is really good. Just clap clap is an annoying song at the end of the day, and. I, I I feel it like slowly wearing me down, but I, I will I just I just cannot bring myself to like this song. It's it's annoying in certain places and abrasive in others, and I just like eh. But the, the performance itself I thought was pretty good, and I thought the choreography that the girls was doing was excellent. And the really the highlight of it was their choreography. I thought it was fantastic. But yeah, going on up to our 14th act here, it is Masayuki Suzuki with Chigao Sojanai with the you know with backup from from Tokyo Scott Paradise here, and. I don't know if you guys know this all too much, but this song is fairly popular on the SNS, the social media stuff. So I had a feeling that we'll be hearing this particular song. But overall, you know, I really liked it. And it really showed how how popular he really became back into the modern eyes. I'm, I'm talking about Suzuki Masayuki, of course, here. And... I really like this rendition overall. So I did too. I honestly greatly enjoyed it. And I remember I've seen Masayuki Suzuki on before, but I think Chigao Suljanai was a great track. I love the live band, the Tokyo Scout Orchestra. 
and I, I just think it just added this jazzy feel to it. It was a great stage. Masayuki Suzuki brought the energy, and I freaking loved it. Yeah, no, I I love this. I I labeled this song as Fat Funky Fresh, which in my two cents is the highest compliment you can ever pay a song. Is if it's fat funky fresh, it's fantastic. Uh I would love to find this on Apple Music. I, I was I didn't have much success. But I, I loved this. I thought it was amazing. I I really enjoyed the performance. I you know, Tokyo Scott paradise orchestra done a really good job with the music on this uh this whole rendition was just fantastic and everyone on stage is having a blast uh and that's what i like to see uh suzuki masayuki is having the time of his life i love his glasses his i think those are aviators (laughs) those are just really cool style i mean he he's having a blast and i i did i loved this it was it would be in my apple music library if i could have found him uh but i did not have much luck so but this was amazing and i, I loved every second of it but yeah with that let's go on to our 15th act here and that is b first with their debut and it is the song shining one And it was very impressive to see that dance performance. I'll be the one to say this, but it, it also bribes home the fact that I, I, I'm not for them <laughs> for that much. Yeah, I think their choreography was great. Their dance performance was amazing. Like you said, Ken, they're probably not for me. But I think they showed a great performance. And on top of that, you could tell the crowd greatly enjoyed them, which I think is a a big plus. I also think their vocals sounded very good live, which I wasn't, you know, it can be hit or miss on that. And I know be first, I've been very hit or miss on and I love the dance the dance break in the middle. I thought that was just absolutely fabulous. And that was the big takeaway for me from Shining One by B First. So I liked this performance. I I it did not make me a B First fan, but it did allow me to see the diamond in the rough that they are. Uh, their vocals are fantastic, and you you get to really hear them in this live performance. I thought their vocally they were fantastic, and the problem with this it, I realized is I just don't like the song. The, the they have the rapper, and it's, it's like it feels like his rapping it's just in random moments of the song, and it just does not jive with with the song itself. Uh, and so I I really feel like if this group. Uh, had a different song that really played a little bit better to their strengths, put the rapper where he needs to be. instead of just kind of randomly interspersed into it. I would really like this group and I think they have a ton of potential. Uh, And their choreography was fantastic. They're like, I, to me, the standout was the vocals. The vocals was really good. And I think the rapper's talented too. Don't get me wrong. Just, it felt, it felt like as they were writing the song, they were like, what? 
where do we stick the wrapper? We don't have any idea. Well, let's throw him here, and let, let's throw him here, and let's throw him here. And, and so it just kind of comes across like he just shows up randomly throughout the song, and it's just a little jarring. But I really think with some fine-tuning, this group can be amazing. And so I, I am eager to see what they do next. And I wasn't a B-First fan going into this. Uh, but this really changed my tune on them. I, I really think that they could do something amazing given the right track, given the right uh, direction to go in. So I'm eager to see what they do next. And I've, I've got my eye on them now. I, I felt like this was a good performance with a subpar song. But, you know, give let's give them the right song. I think they're going to be fantastic. So I, I wound up liking this performance overall. And I, I'm looking forward to see what they do next. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the 16th act here. And it is Seikai no Wadi. Now I have a bone to pick with this one because it is Habit. And the bone, while I do not like Habit overall, and I get it, I get it. I get why it was so popular, and I get that. Why the hell are they on the women's side? I was going to ask the same thing, because it's obvious that their lead female you know, was not... Saori so, so, wasn't even in... Well, she wasn't the vocal part of this song. And, you know... It was it was a Nakajin that was the, the 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 person that was did the most of the singing for this, and it just really upsets me. Like I get it because of the fact that you know probably everyone knows you because of the fact that salary was super popular, but I have a feeling well they because of the fact that they they were labeled originally on the red team. That even if they have Nagajin sing, they'll still be labeled as the red team because of when they debuted, it was on the red team, which is bizarre in my point of view. I think, but I'm I'm not too sure why they're on there. But I, if I had an inkling, it would be that. Now, on to the performance itself. Like I said, I get the deal of having habit. I really, really do, but I just never connected with this song. And this really did not make me a fan of this. You know, it is nice to see the dance on here, and I get it. It's super, super popular online with, with social media and stuff like that. I get that. But I just never, never connected with this song, even along its debut. You can hear me and Luna kind of complain about this song in particular but I just never really gotten to like it and the fact that it's just here I mean it is the song that they performed this year that was of great success was just I just never saw what what I liked or what people liked about it to be honest yeah and I remember me and you Ken felt the same way about habit in general I think it was, I like how they did their performance where they started off, you know, how they did the setup and they walked out on stage, but I still don't care for the song itself. And that didn't change with that. I see why it's popular and why it's gotten so much momentum, but for me, it, 
performance-wise, I like the performance. Song-wise, I still don't care for the song. So, I, I hit the plus sign on this. Uh, <laughs> of, course of course you did. Of course you did. You didn't always have to be the odd man. Of course you did. <laughs> Uh, you know me. I gotta be the contrarian. I I love this. I thought it was fantastic. This song is catchy no, I, I, as I, hell. I, yeah, no, you know, I get it that it's catchy, and the reason why that is, it's just that you know, it's it just feels like they're doing clout chasing. That that's exactly how I feel with this particular release. So, I, I mean, that's that's valid criticism, but. Uh, I I had fun with it. I thought it was good. I, I do agree with you. It's weird that they're on the red team because it is the guy that's doing the vocals this time around. But I I did. I had fun with it. I hadn't seen the dance before, and I, I like the dance. I thought the dance was cool, and uh, I think it's a it's a catchy song. And so I was like, oh, you know, I I, I can get down with it. Uh, my problem with Sekai Wari will always be the guy in the clown mask. I respect his privacy. I wish he would get something that's not creepy, like a crown, uh, clown mask. And that's... Oh, well, I that's mean, at this, this... At, at this point, at this point, it's it would be jarring when we don't see him wearing that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we like, don't like... see DJ Love here not wearing it. If we see him without wearing that clown mask, I think there's a little bit much more of a problem. I think the fact that because they got so big, as he, as he did with this group and he's kind of stuck with it i think he wanted to move on with it but the fact that they they just got so big so fast didn't really help them overall (laughs) yeah their popularity exploded uh a few years ago although i think this is what their biggest song to date no okay i I didn't know how well they, they did in sales but uh oh i mean it, it it did really really well but i i'm if to say this is probably their most popular song to date, even I know songs that are much more uh, entertaining than this song. Fair, fair enough. And, and like, I only, I only know a couple of Sekai No Iwari songs. They're a group I've been wanting to go back and listen to and kind of check out their discography. But they never have had the chance. Dense, they have such a dense history at this point. It'd be very difficult to pick a day and so to speak and go that, that's down very true that. too yeah but with that let's continue on to the next act here at 17 with with the Deitch Deitch Mira with his song San San now personally I honestly really really like this song it really brought out his vocal prowess that we don't really get to hear all that often and it's something that i've always had a problem with him because of the fact that you know he made his his lick because of his dance performing and his choreography and i personally just never saw the appeal of that but when i saw him perform sansan it kind of clicked about his vocal work, and I really, really loved that. And I really fell in love with this performance. I I agree. I think Sansan's a great song, but the live is what does it justice. Hearing it, this you know, on Studio Apple isn't the same because you hear all his vocals. You feel the emotions, and 
the, I, I know I would see things damning Daichi, the littlest soul man. And Sansana is a great example of that. Because his ballads, when he does them, just hit. And Sansan does hit. I think this was an amazing performance. It was beautiful. I, I honestly just felt all the emotions. And I think it was fantastic and i'm glad he did pick a song like this because ken like you said everyone knows him for his dance moves but we don't get to always hear his vocals come out and sansan's a great example of showing what he can do this was a really good number for daichi miura i saw this on his apple music page back in earlier last year and I think I listened to it like once or twice and I, was, I, I, I kind of I liked it but I didn't love it I didn't go back and listen to it a ton uh, I'm starting to think that was a major mistake because this release was so good uh, his vocals was so done so well with this uh, I thought this was an amazing performance uh, it his uh, he obviously, because it's a ballad, he's not dancing. I mean, he, he's animated, but, you know, he's not shaking the hips. But, you know, it's nice that he chose a song that did focus on his vocals because he's an amazing singer, and uh, it's nice when he shows that off, too. Uh, so I, I thought this was a great release by Daichi Miura, and uh, I need to go back and listen to some Sansan because I'm... I've not been listening to the song like I probably should. Yeah, with that, let's continue on to the next act here, and it's number 18 with Ivy with their first debut and their song 11, the Japanese version of it. Now, <laughs> I I understand. I, I get it. But uh, it's overall, I just never really enjoyed my time with it so to speak i actually did enjoy ivy or i've i i thought 11 was i thought the vocals and dancing were good it wasn't as good as some of the you know some of the other ones out there i mean you can tell that the dancing for them isn't on par with like after watching La Seraphim and see how great their choreography is, and then you watch Ive, you're just a little taken aback. You're just like, okay, they're they definitely don't rely on their dance skills as much, and you can tell they were trying to concentrate really hard on it too. But I mean, I thought it was an okay performance. I I do kind of like the song. I, it's catchy, but it. You could tell that, you know, they're young, they're still newer, so I'm sure they are really nervous performing, too. Yeah, uh, I think Ive is still tr just trying to figure it out. This is their debut release, if I remember correctly, so, it, you know, it, it's, you know, it says something that, you know, debut release, and they're already on the Kohaku. Uh, I, you know, it's it's fun for what it is. I, I had some fun with it. It didn't turn me into an Ive fan, and I, I still don't care much for the song itself, but I, I thought the choreography does the job. It gets the job done at the end of the day. And the stage that they had was really good. Uh, you know, I like the little comic book 
that they all had had in the background, and I I felt like the overall presence and performance I thought was really good, uh, even if the song is kind of lackluster. So I, I had fun with it. it. It was not my favorite performance of the night, but it gets the job done, and I was rather satisfied with that. And speaking of a performance where they kind of just let loose here, next on up is number 19, and it is Snowman with their song Brother Beat. Now, I personally really, really enjoyed this rendition. You know, I really forgot how much fun this song was, and it's honestly a song that Snowman really needed to just go out and kind of be loose and be themselves for a change. I agree. And they did a great job of that. And you could tell they had fu- so much fun while performing Brother Beat. And I think that's one of the reasons I l- enjoyed this performance. You could feel the energy that they brought. The crowd was super into it. So it just gave you this good feeling all around seeing all the reactions. Yeah, no, this was... I remember when... Uh, we were doing the show and they dropped Orange Kiss and I, I really liked it. And Ken, you were like, they dropped another song. It's way better. It's called Brother Beat. You need to go check it out. Uh, and I went, I checked it out. And I, for the moment, I, I still liked Orange Kiss. Um, that this, this performance has definitely changed my mind. Uh, I loved this. Uh, Brother Beat is a ton of fun. And uh, these boys are having the time of their life. Uh, they get the crowd involved. It was just an absolute blast to watch. And I had a ton of fun watching these guys do this performance. Uh, one of the highlights of the night, I think, in my opinion, uh, I really enjoyed this performance. And uh, I, I, I kind of want to go back and listen to Brother Beat now. So it, it was a ton of fun. And with that, let's move on to the 20th act here. It is our senpai's perfume singing their lovely medley. Now, they sung two songs, I believe. They sung Spinning World and Chocolate Disco, which is a song I haven't heard in a long time. And, you know, to think that Chocolate Disco would be performed on stage in 2022, you'd, you'd be joking if I thought someone would be saying that. It was first surprising to see them in front of actual people because, you know, the last several years, Perfume has been just relegated to just perform on really interesting places for the most part. And thank God they are warm this year. They're not outside freezing, excuse my my French here, freezing their tits off for the most part here. So it's very thankful that they're in studio this year. Oh, I agree because I'm sure it was cold and I enjoyed their performance. I thought it was actually a great Kohaku medley of all the tracks they did. And I love Chocolate Disco. Spinning World was fun. I love their dance and Perfume. I love our senpais. They're always adorable and just have such a nice stage. And it's always pretty. I know it's not as big and... I'm trying to think of big and uh, explosive as their live performances in that, but I also like that because it you could tell it was befitting of the NHK. I yeah no I I really like this I I don't know it is nice that they're indoors and you know I always felt bad you know they'd be in these you know outside in the cold in these 
outfits that showed a lot of skin. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're able to be comfortable this year, I, I will say. But I kind of got used to the kind of out there performances that Perfume would do on the Kohaku. And I was kind of like disappointed a little bit in that this year it's just them on the stage dancing. I mean, they're having fun. I mean, just the smiles on their face are and, so genuine. You know, and like I, like I said, like I, I get it, mostly because, you know, we talked about this um, uh, off off air, and uh, one of the bigger criticisms that you probably had was because of the fact that they were only relegated to two areas for the most part. And one of the big things that I think they really wanted to pinpoint here for the NHK was the fact that they are finally you know back in the NHK hall and they really wanted to really show that off you know and then the other years they were hold they held it at the Tokyo International Forum stage due to the renovations that they were having with the NHK hall and because of that, they had to use innovative ways to perform because obviously they did not have the space or time and location to travel back and forth. So, you know, I get it because of the fact that over the last couple of years, we were used to seeing them going outside and doing all these bombastic things. However, like for me, like I... I understand the reasons why they did. They could go all out next year, but the big appeal of this year, and probably one of the reasons why they only relegated to two areas for the most part, was the fact that, hey, we are back, quote-unquote, home for the most part. Yeah, that, that's smart. It just... I, I know for me, you know, at the end of the you know at the end of the show, it's four and a you know it's a long program, and when you only see two stages, like it just it's like it made you made me miss that variety that we used to get. Uh, yeah, and, and stuff. And, well, the the another reason too is this is the first time in the Reiwa era that it was being done. In, in, I mean, in HK yeah. Hall. Yeah, yeah, so, and and that's it, true. It's it, it's important for them to 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 have delegate that. And like I said, yeah. they could probably go a little bit more variety next year. But I think this year particularly was because of the fact that they really wanted to home ha hammer the point that saying that they are home. I, I can see that, and it makes sense. Get, getting back to perfume, I I, I did like their uh, Kohaku performance. I I liked Spinning World a little bit more than uh, Chocolate Disco, but I both songs quite a bit and I, I it was fun I, like I said I, I feel like uh, the girls were having this really you know genuine time uh, fun and it's nice to see the smiles on their face as they dance in front of the crowd uh, and I, I I'm did. pretty I, sure I, I they missed that good. too <laughs> yeah yeah they, they, I, this is I think their first time in many years dancing in front of a crowd so yeah even back when they were in studio I remember, like, their performance was not in front of the crowd. So, yeah, it was nice to, to, for them to be in front of a crowd again. But, yeah, continuing on to one of the first special acts here, and it is called The Last Rock Stars with their song, The Last Rock Stars. Now, 
see, I know you guys haven't really been paying attention to the news here, but the the racks the last rock star is a literal super rock group of musicians from the era of Visual K and rock of I've been paying attention to this era. because uh, I've been following the last rock star since they formed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Gray has no idea who half of the nope. people are, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I knew so who, by, who I mean, uh, Yoshiki was, and that was about it. But I have to, but, but like I'm, I'm explaining it for your sake, <laughs> and, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Believe you me, I appreciate it wholeheartedly. And you know, it like I said, it does have Yoshiki. It does also have Hyde from Lay Arkansas and uh, Sugino from X Japan and Luna C, and then Maya V, who's also a big big artist in and of himself and you know they kind of came together and made this huge thing literally in november so their inclusion of it was very very surprising and very very heavily swayed probably of the fact that yoshiki is such a major component of what he does with 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 the kohaku because he's performed several times over and made such a big mark on it and the fact that you know, he obviously wanted to do something special for, especially for these talented, other three talented artists with them on this thing. And they want to preserve the spirit of rock music. And it's very interesting. I want to really talk about this later on. This is another topic that I think we should also really talk about because. You know, they are they're pinning themselves as the last rock stars because of the fact that the music industry has been taken over by modern music done by pop and hip hop. And it's very interesting the fact that they decided to do that and the fact that pretty much there's their old man waving at the skies for that part. <laughs> Overall, going on to the performance here, it was it really oozed energy of that era, and I really kind of liked that. However, because of the fact that I literally knew what this band was, I, I kind of rolled my eyes for the most part. <laughs> so you did a very good explaining it, Ken, for those who don't know who they are. And I feel like, yes, they're all kind of like you said, old men shaking their hands at the air. Minus Miyavi, because I feel like he, in a way... I wouldn't say he's the well, odd person Maya out. is... Well, he's not the odd person out, but he's, he's the, the youngest. youngest and you can easily too. tell. But one of the things, like, I did notice when you're watching them speak to, you know, Oizumi and Hashimoto and all that, you know, at the beginning, you can kind of see where Yoshiki's always the more interactive. He's the more well-known. He's very involved in the industry in general. And you can even see Haig and, and Sugizo, but you can kind of see Miyavi more standing off to the side as just that extra person. But I'm also glad they included him because he's one of those artists who was part of the Visual K era. And if you look at all their years in the industry and all the things they've done and the impact they've all had in their own way, I think it's, you know, a great way to look at it. I mean... I, kn I know what I'm getting into. I already heard this song beforehand because I've been following it. I think it was a great performance. I like how, you know, Yoshiki starts off on a piano, then moves to the drums. Hyde on vocals. I mean, I love Hyde as a vocalist in general. And just Miyavi and Sugizo rocking out the guitar, bass, you know, I just, I enjoyed it. I like the flow of it. 
And I'm curious to see the other tracks they'll do. And I really don't want this to be a one and done type of thing, which I'm afraid it might. But I would like to do a more segment on on this at some point as a topic, because I think it would be a really interesting topic in general. And I, I think it was a very memorable performance, especially looking at all the other groups in the Kohaku. I feel whenever Yoshiki does do something, it always stands out. And it's because of the look and the style that he brings. And it's because they're still stuck in what I call the 80s glam rock stage. And I freaking love it. So for me, uh, there was parts of this act that I liked and there was parts of this act that I genuinely hated. So uh, I liked Yoshiki when he was playing the piano. I, I Yoshiki playing the piano is always really nice. He's a very talented musician. Uh, it it kind of bummed me out a little bit that they, he has that gorgeous glass piano that he only played like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. And then he goes down to the drums. Uh, and then the piano just fades into the background, never to be seen or heard from again. So that bummed me out, tradition, really. Uh, but the song itself that they perform, it, it's all right. I, I like the part where he's singing "I Will Fly" and and and, and he, you know, he's being very musical and stuff like that. But the the chorus where he's singing uh, like "Bit of Bam Bam Bam," I hated it. It was annoying. Uh, it doesn't work, and, and it feels like there's like this these two songs that have just been crammed together. And I, I to me personally, I didn't like it. But I'm not a fan of these individuals. So maybe that I'm not coming at it from that perspective. Uh, but, but I mean, like, no, I mean, I, I'm too kind of agreeance with you here, Greg. I personally just I did not see the overall appeal of this particular song. It could be just that this particular song is their debut song. So obviously it's something that they want to perform. But to be if if. If I didn't know anything about this, and the only reason why I know is because I've been keeping my eye out on this, and for a sh- someone that's not really paying attention to the news here, you would have no idea what the hell is going on, and to the point that you see all these old people, or older people, I mean, we'll see older people later on, near the bottom of this release of the, of this of the Kohaku here, and... It sounded like people just there on obligation more than people coming together for the cause. And at the end, I'll be all that's my really big gripe with this really or with this performance. It just sounds like something that they want to make a point of. Instead of enjoying the music, so to speak, and we'll talk more about this a little bit later near the end of this because I think there's an act near the bottom of the Kohaku that did what the last rock stars were doing but much better in a much more interesting way because of the fact that it sounded like they were just there to enjoy each other's company and to enjoy what music is and this sounds like a point that they wanted to try and make the last rock stars that is and I, uh, yeah, and, and I can see. Oh, oh, sorry, go on, Luna. No, you can go. Oh, yeah, and I, I, I was just gonna say, yeah, because the, the one last thing I, I will say is, is I, I just, I, 
the the last rock stars is a little bombastic it's in your face it does feel like they're trying to make a, a statement of sorts and uh you know there's a large swath of people who who believe in that and that's fine if you do it's just uh Again, as I've always stated, that's not why I come to music. You know, I want to be entertained. That's all I ask for. So, uh, and that, 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 and I will say that the other thing that Ken's hinting at, I, I really loved. I thought that was drastically better. So, I, I, I totally agree with you know how like the verses. I love the verses, but I hated the chorus for the last rock stars, and that was my big off-putting point. Like, yes, I think for me, I was more excited that these four leads of rock bands who've been around for ages, you know, part of the Visual K movement, some of these part of the glam rock movement in the '80s, and coming together like this, I love that. So I do feel like yes, it is very statement-related. Could have the song been better? Probably, but I also feel like, again, statement related, it's very in your face with the chorus, but I love the verses and that's because of Hyde and I absolutely love his part of it. And he really is what makes that track more than anything for me. But I do wish if it was better than it was, to be honest, but I am hoping they do more because I I would like to hear them do more and see what else they can do. And I hope it's not just one of those end all be all type of things. But yeah, with that, let's move on to the 21st act here. And it is Eimer and her debut with Senkyo Senka. Now, obviously, we knew immediately when we saw Eimer on here that it was going to be something related to Yaiba uh, for Demon Slayer. And yeah, they do. They do integrate that very, very well. And while I might not be as attached to this song, I overly thought that this was a great performance overall. And I enjoyed the fact of, you know, even though I didn't watch this season, it was, it had spurses of things in in between of it. Oh, I agree. I also have not watched the season of Yaiba or I'm caught up by any means. But I also greatly enjoyed the performance itself. I thought Imer did an amazing job vocally. It was beautifully done. I also think she looks really adorable with her glasses. Yeah, uh, I I didn't like this performance all too much. I, I'm not, I'm just not a huge Imer fan. There's a song that we're going to talk about later she's attached to that I, I thought was 40 times better uh, than this. Uh, and I'm not a fan of Demon Slayer. So uh, for me, it's just, it's not working on any level. Um, it's a loving tribute to Demon Slayer and I will give it props for that, but, uh, it's, I'm not the market that the song is appealing to. So. Oh, it, neither am I, but yeah, was... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's okay for what it is. Uh, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate my time with it, but it just, for me, for me, I felt like there was nothing for me here. It's like, I'm not really an Imer fan. I'm not, I'm not a Demon Slayer fan. So. I, I just like, well, it, it's okay for what it is. Mm. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the 22nd act here. And it is Fuyumi Sakamoto and her song of Omatsuri Mambo featuring Tokyo Ska Paradise. <sighs> you know, they did really put some work into Matsuri's energy, which I wasn't really too <laughs> used to. And 
because of that, I really thought this was a great show overall. This this performance, and I really enjoyed the the interaction that you know Tokyo Scott Paradise had with this release or with this rendition. Yeah, I thought the rendition by Fumi Sakamoto was really good. I thought Omatsuri Mambo was with Tokyo Scott Paradise. I think it flowed very well. I absolutely loved the you know just having them a part of it and I feel like it made it it made it give gave off the essence of a genuine matsuri and that's the feeling I liked it really did make you feel like oh I'm in a matsuri right now I think Fuyumi's vocals were great so I enjoyed it Uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this. I think Tokyo Scott Paradise worked really well with uh, Fuyumi. I really liked the stage uh, in this one. That was my big takeaway from this. Uh, just I like the lanterns. I like the the dragon. You know, very much a festival feel. And uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. I really had a lot of fun with this. I think it worked for what they were trying to do. And it is you no, know, is everyone's doing like a cute little dance to it as well. So uh, I thought it was pretty solid overall and a good way to end the first half of the show. And before we go on to the next act here and the beginning of the second act, you know they they do this every year for NHK and for the Kohaku. It is the traditional Taiga drama baton pass ceremony, and this year it was done by. The Oguri Shun and Matsumoto Jun. Matsumoto Jun is going to be in part of this year's Taiga drama. So it was very good to see them on the stage. So I wanted to at least touch on that before we go into the second half. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the second half here. And the first one to do so is... <laughs> it is Uta with New Genesis. Now, it is very interesting to at least bring this up because of the fact that Uta is... Not real. It's part of the One Piece. Red, film Red. red? Yeah, One Piece Film Red. Film Red. Film Red. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I don't. I don't. I don't watch anime. I don't know. <laughs> so, what was very interesting, on a technical standpoint, was obviously the person performing isn't going to be real. So we all had a thought of how in the world are they going to bring Uta to life. And they did some very interesting VTuber technology by having a huge digital avatar of Uta dancing around and singing and someone interacting around the area. And overall, like for me, as a person that is into VTubers and stuff like that, I personally just want to see which tech was being used for this. And because of the fact that, you know, whoever, honestly, whoever was the person for the tech behind this probably got a huge payday. And I have a feeling it was Bushiro that was behind this. They are the leading forefront for live concert innovations for VTubers. But who knows? I, I, on the technical side, I kind of really want to see this. And, you know, at the end, you know, you got to really see a, a illustration for the Kohaku, specifically done by Oda, which was also really, really nice. Now, how did you guys feel about this? I know, you know, we have a resident One Piece fan here, Luna, so why don't you go? I mean, I, I will say I loved One Piece Film Red, 
And despite me not following the show, which it's been good while since I've like I don't know I'm on episode three. I mean I'm pretty sure all of us haven't really followed yeah, too many the episodes. show for a while. <laughs> but I like the movies. And when I found out One Piece Red was going to be showing, I did see it because I do like Otto. And I think the music was fantastic and how they did New Genesis by Utah, I think was very neat. Like you said, the technology used is something you don't see over here in the States. They don't really utilize it. But if you're a fan of YouTubers, of course, you're more familiar with this. But seeing it on stage, seeing people's reactions was really cool. And I love New Genesis. I think it's a solid song. I actually thought all the One Piece tracks and film red were just amazing and i think the stage presence was great and seeing how everyone was just mesmerized by it and not to mention i really like the homage they did at the end and had oda do a special drawing just for the kohaku and I, I think this was a great way to showcase not only one piece's popularity but how far vtubers have come too I'm not too experienced with VTubers. This isn't something I spent a lot of time with, but I I thought it was really cool, and it was definitely unique and different uh, seeing Uda on stage. I, I, I liked it. I thought this was a fun performance overall, uh, and just a great love letter to not only you know One Piece film Red, but I, I think One Piece as a whole, uh, because, I mean, there's a lot of scenes that, you know, not even from the movie, but uh, it was still just a lot of fun. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this. New Genesis was a great number to choose for this. I There was a two or three I could see them picking for this. I always had a feeling it'd be New Genesis, and, and it turned out to be New Genesis. And I think that was the right move to go with. It's this nice, fun, upbeat track that just really, you know, it opened the movie and it really sold the movie really well. And I think this is just a good number to that. Uh, I loved the graphic, the picture that Oda did uh, and just gave everybody like a red theme. It was, it was very nice, very, very nice. I, I like that a lot. I, I thought this was great and a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they try to do something like this again next year. I'm, I'm wondering if they want to replicate it. That That's where my thoughts at. No, I don't. There wouldn't be an act unless they brought one over from the VTuber side on here. But unfortunately, I don't think because I see I don't I don't know how One Piece film Red ends. But I don't I don't know what what her whole deal is. So I don't know if if a film that would do that be as successful. I mean, they could bring her back, but again. I don't. I can't see them doing that in another film. Maybe in a TV special. Because I, 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 I don't know the canonicity of the film as well. Because there are cer certain films that you know are canon and aren't canon. It's just a toss up I, of which is which is it. I right? believe it's <laughs> so, canon, but I'm so, not one hundred percent. So the way it works with One Piece is if it is a film, it is canon. If it's not a film, it is not canon. So you have like One Piece film, Strong World, One Piece film, Z, One Piece film, 
gold and one piece film red. All those are canon. All those are canon. Okay. Yes. See, I, I, I'm being a contrarian. <laughs> I don't. I just, just don't know one piece and anything yeah. of that. So, but with that, let's move on to our twenty fourth act here, and it is King New with their song Stardom. Now, this song was being used for the the major theme song for the World Cup footage that they were having this past year, and. I, honestly, I just thought it was all right. Uh, it was a huge thing for them because they had both one of the major players along with the coach from the Japan national team at the Kohaku this year for one of the judges. And it was a big thing for them to at least hear live what was the song that was kind of cheering them on for the most part back home. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm still not super into the track stardom, but I think King New delivered a solid performance and I still love how unique this band is and that they do what they want and not what's popular and they have this style that just stands out. So I thought it was a solid performance. It was great seeing them back again and I... I think it was a great way, like you said, Ken, to cheer on the the team. Yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add for King Noom. I thought this was a pretty okay performance. The I did like the live performance of the song more than the recorded performance of Stardom. But overall, like I'm still not the biggest fan of the track, and it is a nice yeah. loving tribute to soccer, and it showed through in the the performance overall but for me I, I it was okay i'm not i wasn't the biggest fan yeah, of it yeah we we aren't all three of us were so. yeah <laughs> but it, it was just i i felt i i honestly feel bad for them because i know a lot of people are kind of just glossing over it because of that fact that they were only just placed because of the world cup stuff so but Overall, let's continue on to the 25th act. And <laughs> I knew immediately when we saw Hiroshi Miyama, we are going to see Kendama. And obviously, he is going for the, the world record one more time. This is his sixth attempt. And, you know, shout out to all the, the, the people once again. 127 people for the attempt. And shout out to all the random background people they had people of different ethnicities this time around they had a they had a, a a darker skin person as well in the background along with dj ku he's been there every single year now <laughs> as much as we love dj <laughs> but to the performance of it i really really liked it honestly it's a song that you kind of kind of want to hear while you're like just drinking beer and it's something that you would hear in like a pub in the 90s and them doing the guts pose after was very very nice and what was funny was before she announced that the, the world the, the guinness book of world record lady before she announces that they were successful they just flat out said yeah they did it and i just laughed so hard when that happened yeah so i I, I always enjoy Kendama and Hiroshimiyama, see what he does. I mean, you know what you're getting into. I do like that DJ Ku's been in it each time so far. And I also like the track he picked. 
just because it just feels, I don't know, something a little bit different. He did Yume Oibito, and I just like the more traditional sound it had, and I think it went very well with the performance all in all, and I had a lot of fun watching it. And as always, when it gets closer, I get very on edge, just like everyone else, while you're just watching in awe. I, I, I will say for the broadcast, I, I wish they would shrink him and make the, the Kendama thing bigger instead of putting like the Kendama thing in the corner. It, was I the only one who, uh, when they would shrink down the Kendama, like that, that you would just focus solely on the Kendama to see you know if someone drops it or something like that? Well, uh, the thing is... You know, they did that last year, and you kind of got a big stick about it that's saying you should be the main person. I, well, okay, so I can't be consistent on things. That's that's fair. Uh, <laughs> like, the last time this happened, they did the opposite, <laughs> and you were kind of being the big stink. This is why you kind of rolled your eyes when Hiroshi Miyama came up again, even though we knew he was going to do this, that you were just sick of the Kendama, and you just were force-fed it. And because of the fact that, you know, they focused on the Kendama and his performance was a little afterthought. And we all had that thing last year. And now because of the fact that they sunk it and put more of him in the forefront, I honestly like that because it actually just shows that, hey, you know, it's important that he does this. That's fine. But we really want to focus on him. And I think they took a lot of the criticisms to heart. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is very fair. Uh, I, I did. I, I like this overall. I, I'm getting to where this is a tradition, just a yearly tradition. And I, I don't know. I, I, as much as I complain about this act, I like the individual. Uh, I like Hiroshi Miyama. I want to be clear on that. I think he's a fantastic singer. And I've always liked the songs that he does. Now, I actually really think this is his best song yet. Oh, yeah. You may... Uh, Oibito... Uh, uh, Oi... Oh, yeah, Beto. Yeah, I had it right. Uh, I think this is his best song to date. Uh, just it, there's a lot of energy and it it is good punch to it. I, I did. I, I think this is a great performance by him. He's he does a great performance every year. I I've, I've always just wanted him to mix it up a bit, but you know this is his shtick. This is what he likes to do. I I, I think I'm growing to accept that. And, you know, the first year that we covered the Kohaku and he's not doing Kendama, I, I will be a bit disappointed. So uh, I, I I have kind of breached that a bit. But I, this was a great performance and uh, I, I loved it. Uh, it will, I'm eager for him to come back and do 128. And I'm glad he got the world record uh, for 127. But yeah. With that, let's move on to the 26th act here. And it is twice with their song Celebrate. And <laughs> honestly, it wasn't too bad hearing live. But <laughs> overall, I was just like, yeah, it's it's, it's twice. It's, it's good to see them back because they took a year off. So. so, yeah, I actually really liked Celebrate. And I didn't even realize this track came out. Or hence, I kind of forgot I haven't kept up with Twice lately, but upon my first hearing, I actually greatly enjoyed it. I thought their vocals were good. It was very catchy. It felt also befitting of the Kohaku, hence Celebrate. And I like that this was the choice they went with. 
I will say there's one thing that irked me. And there was one member whose outfit felt like it did not fit her right because she stuck out like a sore thumb. And I just couldn't stop staring at her. And I don't know which member it was. But she had short hair and the neckline was up pretty high. But because of that, she just felt like she stood out a little bit more amongst the rest. And I think they put her in the wrong outfit. But all in all... I, I think the vocals, the dancing, and everything was great. One of the reasons I do greatly enjoy Twice, and I'm definitely going to be checking out some more of their recent music that I have not had a chance to get to yet. Uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't even I didn't know Twice released a song this year. I, I missed it. Uh, this is good. This is a lot of fun. I, I liked Celebrate. I, I thought it was, uh, pretty good. Uh, the girls, uh, look lovely and, uh, they did a good job this year. Uh, the choreography works. The song is very fitting for the occasion. And, you know, the, the vocal performance in this is done really well. Uh, I, of the Korean girl group specifically, I think this is by far the best. Uh, and really... Uh, of the girl groups as a total, you know, like idol groups included, I felt like this was the best performance uh, for for the girl groups. So, I I, I liked I, it. I'm so I am surprised because you would put them above your beloved Hinata Zaka Forty Six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked Hinata Zaka Forty Six's performance, and I will get to Nogi Zaka when we get to it, which I, I felt was okay, but. Uh, Overall, I felt like this was the strongest. Uh, it just everything came together really well. You have a good song, good choreography, uh, and just a good performance. Uh, this was the high high mark for the evening for the for the girl groups. I, I just my two cents. But yeah, with that, let's go on to the next performance here, and it's actually another another special act here and it was of the special disney medley and what was very interesting so the first one was when you wish upon a star the japanese version and it was sung by both yo oizumi and kana hashimoto that was really really great honestly to hear all these different styles of it um, we also had sakura show and ivy snowman be first and hinatazaka 46 come on in and sing the jamboree mickey song which is a i don't know if there's an american or english version of this song but i i, I just assume it was a japanese release only song and I, lastly, i've never heard it i i've never heard yeah, of jamboree nev- mickey well then again i have i'm pretty sure it's more for the younger crowd so and we we all don't have kids in our immediate vicinity, so we wouldn't know that all too well. Right? Yep. No, no, I agree. Uh, unless y'all have kids that I don't no. know. <laughs> no, I have nephews and niece, but that's it. But and lastly, we had Mishia with her song "Kimi no Negai ga Sekai no Kagayasu Katsu." Now. This is a song that was specifically made for Disney C, and by God, they went kind of all out for this year's Disney special medley because of the fact that they went live to Disney C to do the performance of this and to see all the characters upon all these different boats that they go throughout here. Now, I've never been to Disney C, but it was something very, very magical that. Honestly, I had really wished to 
to actually be there at the park and just see that performance because you talk about the style of magic that Disney has this really showed that to be 100% honest oh yeah oh my god like this was the best part of the Kohaku by far just how they did this I mean I enjoyed the medleys you know the the Yozumi and uh, Kana Hashimoto and you know the Mickey Jamboree with show with show I've snowman be first seen that's attack 46 but Mishia holy cow the way to end this medley with Mishia at Disney Sea on the boat and Mishia is an absolutely phenomenal soulful vocalist and just Kimi no Nagaiga Sakayo Kagayakukasu was just was just amazing listening to her belt out the vocals seeing the boat the fireworks like you said Ken I would just love to be there and watch that live honest honestly to to hammer this point home I think this was better than her solo performance later on oh 100% agree she this was the most memorable one of the most memorable performances this was of the night just how it was done and even vocally for Mishia I mean her solo was good but this specifically blew it out of the water and even the emotion she displayed while singing was just everything just felt perfectly in place and how this went yeah, no, um, Mishia's uh, Kimi no Negai ga Sekai o Kage ya Kasu th- it really stole the night in a lot of ways. It was magical. I, I don't, there, there isn't another word to describe this performance. Uh, it is magic and one that I think needs to be seen. Um, oh, yeah. It, it just, I, I'm with you, Ken. I, I like I would have loved to have been there in the like, in the park and see this live, uh, just all the boats lit up. It, it's just so special, uh, and this song is so moving and heart touching. Uh, there, there's just something about this performance that just really sells it home. Uh, this was the best thing I saw for the whole evening, and. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to top this next year because... Oh, no. I, I, I honestly... <laughs> like like I hard. said, like like I said, you look up what the fact of, like, a performance like this in everything in it to compass, it really does show that Disney magic. You know, that thing that people talk about with Disney this this performance really had that <laughs> and it's hard to to quantify that in words you guys if you are able to watch this try and watch this yeah it, it there the, we can only say so much but I, you you need to see it this is like like we like i said it's magical and there there isn't another word that i could ever use to describe it and even that feels short, if, if it makes yeah, any oh. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so as like, as like, much is, as we want to try. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, and I mean, there's so many Disney characters that you get to see uh, that, you know, they have old characters, they have new characters. They, uh, they 
characters all over the place. And it's just, it comes together so well. Uh, I, this this was amazing. Uh, please, please, if, if you do anything, watch this performance. I agree. 100% agree. If you're able to find this, watch it. It is worth it. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to our 27th act here. And this is Vondi. This is his solo debut. And with the song of Kajino Hana Uta. Well, I really thought it was okay, personally. The next act, I'm going to kind of transition this together because of the fact this it really did go along as a pair here. You know, the next act was the 28th act, and it was a song that he produced. It was the Millet, Imer, and the Ikuta song of Omoe Kage. And honestly, we weren't really sure if they were going to do Omoe Kage because of the fact that Yasobi wasn't confirmed. And, you know, uh, Ikuta is the the female vocalist for Yoao Sobi. So we weren't really sure about that fact that whether or not they were going to perform this song, but they brought her on specifically to sing this song. And with Vondi too. I don't think Vondi ever did a rendition of this song as well. I agree. I mean, this was a fabulous back-to-back performance. I mean, first you got Vondi with Kajino Hana Uta, and then you got Omokage, and you see Millet Eimer... Lissy Kuta and Bondi just come out and sing together. And I love the energy and their collaboration, how they just were able to play off each other's vocals. I think all of them did their part perfectly, just in tune with the music and hearing Bondi sing with them, which I do not recall on the actual track. And I just, I just greatly enjoyed how Omokage came together. And this was such a highlight. And just seeing Bondi on stage in general. I love the music he's produced and he's created his vocals and I'm glad that he was on the Kohaku and got to do pretty much like double tracks. Yeah, no, uh, this is another one of those blended acts that I, I talked about uh, earlier and I, 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 I really enjoyed Vondi's solo performance. Uh, Kaiju no Hana Uta is really good. It's a really good pick. I, I didn't know what song he would pick. I, I, when we did our predictions, I, I said Chainsaw Blood. I'm so glad he did not pick Chainsaw Blood for a multitude of reasons. Uh, one, I just don't think it's suitable for the audience. And I did say that on that, that particular podcast. It's, I didn't think it was suitable, but I I know some years they lean really heavy into anime, and I know it's attached to a popular <laughs> And I, I told you the exact same thing. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm glad they did. I, I think he picked a great song, uh, one that... I hadn't heard yet because uh, Vonnie's had like a couple of releases. I haven't been able to keep on top of them all, uh, but uh, I did. I like uh, Kaiju no Hana Uta, and it, it's a good, it's a good appetizer for what comes next, which is uh, Omokage. That that song is fantastic. Uh, I did find it on Apple Music. I added it to my library. The Apple Music version of that track is just the girls, and Vani's not in it. Oh, yeah, it. I mean, because it's originally just them. It's yes. not with Vani. Vani, this yeah. is the first time he's done it, that's why. <laughs> yes, uh, but, I mean, his inclusion on it was really good. I, I mean, if you didn't know that he originally wasn't originally a part, you wouldn't notice it, because he fits so naturally into it. 
Uh, uh, they they kind of they kind of told everyone that it was just <laughs> those three. Yeah. yeah, but still, my point is the it's a good it's a good performance. Uh, that's that's yeah, yeah. what I'm trying to say. Uh, well, no, no, you know the thing is when you say the collab thing, I think this made much more sense though <laughs> comparatively. <laughs> but continuing on up to the 29th performer and it is Junretsu and of course they gotta have Junretsu on here this is the only time we usually see them <laughs> they gotta give the Obasa on something and they give him something alright <laughs> with uh, Proposal and uh, Shido Kuma Yoni you talk about a collaboration that makes no sense Shino, Shido Kuma Yoni made no sense because I don't think the other comedians a part of that act had no place where <laughs> for for their performance overall and it was it just it just soured me on the whole thing to be honest like with, with Jinretsu like for me personally I just kind of roll my eyes when I see them at this point I mean I like their vocals but at the same time I just this one didn't get me proposal Shiroi Kumuno Yoni I just I, I kind of, I like their vocals, but at the same time, I also feel like it's all about the Obasans just going, oh my gosh. So, it was, it was, it was there. It was what I expected. Uh, it, it was okay. I, I was a little let down because in the past, like, Junretsu usually does, like, these, like, quirky performances and they have, like... They do something that's like very memorable. That that's a lot of fun. Uh, this year, I, I didn't feel like they, they hit that really well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, it just <laughs> it just felt it just felt all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just I I don't want to call I don't want to say phoned in, but I don't have a better way to to say it. Just this whole thing felt phoned in to me. I, I did like propose. I, I thought like that was a pretty solid song, but. Uh, and um, Shiro Kumo no Yoni was alright. Like, they're they're both pretty solid songs for what they are, but I just th- this performance is a little boring because there's not a whole lot going on. It's just you know the guys standing up on the stage singing the song. Uh, there's no yeah, it lights going on in the does, back. It, do- it doesn't have them serrating the obasans like they have usually have done in years past. Yep. That's what I was kind of, I was expecting it, but I wasn't. Once they started opening their performance and it didn't start like the previous years, I thought, okay, they're not going to do their usual serenade. They're not going to really hit on no boss sounds like they usually do. So I think once we got to that opening part where they're all talking and I'm like, okay, I have a feeling I know how this was going. I felt a little let down, but at the same time, I didn't just... I just felt like the energy wasn't there for Junretsu like it usually is. Yeah, and, and that's why uh, I, you know, I, I, w- I want to say like it felt it feels phoned in because it's just like there's just not a whole lot to it. I, I mean, if you like the songs, you like the songs. They're, they're pretty good songs for what they are, uh, but there's just nothing extra there, um, and it's just like, eh, I, I, I really disappointed because uh, Junretsu is always memorable and, and for them to pull in a forgettable performance was very disappointing. With that up next, it is another special performance of back number with their song. I love you. 
And first of all, first of all, whole baby Fukuhara Harakan. No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not sorry. I really like this actress. I love this actress, and I love you as part of the song that they, uh, the drama that is she is a part of. And I really love that song. I, you know, I love Back Number, and I really loved I Love You, and. It is a song that I honestly didn't really get to talk about all throughout the the year. It was one of the songs that put them on the map this past year. So I'm very sad that they weren't able to, um, you know, they were able to go out and do this performance. They also snuck in uh, Takano Hana song, which is honestly my favorite song (laughs) done by them. I really, really love that song. So um Overall, what did you think? I I am sad that they weren't given a proper song or or order for it. They were just relegated to a special act because of the fact that they have to pimp out uh, Fukuhara Haruka's drama. So yeah, and I really enjoyed that, and I would love to see this drama. After watching the clips, you know, and seeing Fukuhara, and not to mention, I thought the song I Love You is absolutely fantastic by Back Numbers, so it's one of those that really does make you want to say, hey, I would like to check this out and go further in, so... Yeah, no, Ken, I, I agree with you. I, I would have loved to have seen back number on the um, on the white team because uh, this is a great performance. And uh, to, you know, for it to be a special, I mean, they, I mean, they still pour their hearts out. And I love you is so good. Uh, it, it's an, a really good song. And it's, it's nice that, you know, back number had such a good year and they were able to end the year on a high note with this. Uh, also, uh, Takane no uh, Hanako-san uh, is really good, and, and I'm glad they snuck that in there, too. I, I had to do a double take because I, w- I was looking at a program, and I was like, there's only one song, but I know I heard a second. <laughs> um, yeah, they, th- that was it officially, but they just snuck in Takane no Hanako-san. <laughs> yes, uh, and I- I'm glad they did because it- it's it's a good number to end their set on. Uh, just I, I had a lot of fun with this, and uh, you know, hopefully they'll be back next year or sometime soon uh, in the in the competition instead of a part of a special. Yeah. But continuing on up to number thirty here, it is Nogizaka forty six with Hadashi Day Summer, and I believe this was. Asuka Saito. Yeah, it was Asuka Saito's last... No, no. Yeah, Asuka Saito. This was going to be her last song before going into graduation. And they kind of made it a point that this is her her last goodbye thing. And she's, you know, the second generation captain. And, you know, this is another heavy blow for Nogisaka. As much blows as they've been getting as of late. So, overall... You know, they what they were doing for this is they had Oscar Saito as the center, obviously, and they were kind of really putting her with everyone at every part of the song, which is really nice. And I really did like that the fact that 
that Hadashi Day Summer was a lot more vocal heavy than usual Nogizaka songs that they do. I agree. I was surprised how much I liked Hadashi Day Summer. I, I liked the vocals. I thought the choreography was good. It was a very cute song, fun melody. I thought it was a great way to... A uh, great choice for the Kohaku. Yeah. And, you know, it was her, her song that she was the center for, so it makes a whole lot sense. The reason why they picked Hadashi Day Summer. Yeah, th- this performance is bittersweet for me because uh, Asuka Saito is my favorite member of Nogizaka 46. So uh, to see her go, just, I don't know, it, it kind of stinks. Uh, I, I've always loved every song she's been a center of, and... Uh, you know, uh, this was a good performance overall. Uh, I, I thought, you know, there was, a, uh, there's some sadness, uh, behind it, but you know, it's definitely an upbeat song. Uh, and the girls seem to, to be, you know, having fun with it. Uh, and you know, I, I did like the performance. Uh, I, I really hate to see Asuka Saito go. Uh, she's the best member of Nogizaka 46. So to see her leave really stinks. That's a, that's a. That's a funny way of saying my Shiraishi. <laughs> my Shiraishi's no longer a part of Nogizaka 46, so... But she was the best member of Nogizaka 46. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying current member, she's my favorite. But uh, still, uh, and I will say this was drastically better than last year's performance. Oh, yeah. Oh, my better. gosh. Like I said, <laughs> I actually remember this song. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, did, I liked it, so, uh, you know... Uh, it, it was good. I, I liked it a lot. But yeah, with that, let's move on to the 31st act here, and it is uh, Shizuka Kudo with her 35th anniversary medley, and it included songs such as Arashi no Sugao and Kasa, uh, Kosa ni Fukarete. Now, I really need to listen to a lot more of Kudo Shizuka stuff because, my God, just listening to this melody really, really got me. And, you know, the flute that they had, you know, the performer, performer Kakomi had really got me for for Arashi no Sugao. And I absolutely just fell in love with it. I really, really need to just go back and kind of sit down and listen to a lot more of Kudo Shizuka stuff. And this really really brought its rear head in that I need to do that. <laughs> I feel the same way as you because I I when I first got into J pop she was one of the artists that I I remember listening to and then so this felt kind of nostalgic you know nostalgic when hearing this. I don't know. It was just being the anniversary and it just brought back memories and then it made me realize man I need to go back and listen to a lot of her albums and some of her songs you know and and also I don't know why I I didn't even realize she released a self cover album this year which explains you know the 35th anniversary but I loved it and I thought her performance was great she still looks absolutely amazing I just loved loved hearing this it was such a special treat and i also love seeing coco me on there with shizuka as well uh yeah no i once i heard this i 
immediately went and found her on Apple Music and I found her self-cover album and I added it to my library. I'm going to be listening to a lot more of Shizuka Kudo because uh, this was a great performance, uh, great vocal performance. And th- there's it really hit me with a lot of n- nostalgia, even though this is an artist that uh, I'm familiar with or, you know, grew up listening to. Uh, just like I, I like you can hear that 90s style in her in her music and you know I got to thinking of like uh, me personally I got to thinking of like two mix and their Gundam openings and stuff like that uh, and uh, well, well both, both songs were released in the 90s <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but uh, I, I did I, I like this quite a lot I thought this was a great medley and um, this was an amazing performance, and uh, I, I am eager to dive into her self covers. But yeah, with that, let's go on to the 32nd act here, and I think the most bizarre act this year. <laughs> and that is King and Prince with their song Ichiban. Now, oh boy, I didn't know what to expect, but uh, sure, I guess it really shows what they got, I guess. I really, I, I really couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I had really hoped. Overall, the song went way too long. I think they could have cut it after the first <laughs> verse. They didn't need to do the song in entirety. I think. Yeah. The uh, so when I saw their outfits, and you know when everyone's together and all that, and I looked, I'm like, oh my gosh, is that King and Prince? And I thought. I wonder what they're going to do with outfits like that. At least I can rule out Tsukiyomi. Which, I was hoping for that. I really was. But man, seeing Ichiban, I was like, what? I I would love to see Daichi do something like this. Because, you know, it would be very befitting with him with the choreography. Honestly, I thought they could have (laughs) switched. This is a song that I think Daichi and the King of Prince, I wish they could have switched. Because I... You know, you know, no, no hate towards Deitch. Like I said, I wasn't super. I was very surprised to hear his vocal prowess here in Sansan. I was expecting more of a dancing, like how he, Ichiban was. I, I was not expecting this hip hop dance, you know, but that explains their outfits, and I'm glad they're showing that they can do other things that are different. But wow, I was not expecting that, and I'm just like. Well, this is probably the most unexpected thing that happened tonight. Yeah, no, I I hated this. Uh, this is probably my most hated performance of the entire night. Uh, th- this is just, in, in my opinion, this is not what King and Prince is. I I, I know they're hitting markets. I know they're stretching and and and. Uh, okay, okay. Well, no. Before you go on to this, tell me. What is snowman? What is what is stones? Uh, I mean, I. I mean, fair enough, but I just, I I don't know. They just, I just don't think and they I get do this. It. I get it. We're we're all not a fan of this song. I get it, but you know, for for, for us, you know, I know that saying that to perform this song it, on a stage like this is a freaking joke. I'm going to be I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. But 
for them to not try this. Granted, I really wish they didn't choose this song. But, you know, the pass is the pass at this point. And to, to you know, it might not fit King and Prince's image and all that stuff. But they are trying very badly but they are trying <laughs> I, I, so they, they've tried this style of song two or three times and every time it it, it doesn't work and, and I don't know if the group as a whole just doesn't know what they're doing if, if it's the producers or if it's just the fact that I think the guys are trying way too hard to just be like they're, they're great vocalists they're, they're really good at that and I'm not saying don't do a rap or hip hop song, but I, sometimes like I'm, I'm just wondering like what the thought process is because I, I don't think you're playing to their strengths when you do a track like this. And, and they had Sukiyomi, which was really popular, really amazing. I, I, I'm bewildered they did not pick that one. I really am. But this one just. Man, it just feels like they're trying really, really hard to be the you, you know the uh, the cool kid. You know, it kind of reminds me of that meme with Steve Buscemi, uh, where you know he's pretending to be a um, a high schooler with a skateboard on his back, and he's like, "Yo, what's up?" Like that, that's that's what this whole performance reminded me of. It's like, oh, we're trying to be cool, but the th- and uh, but it, the th- it's not the landing. Thing, you know, I get that. I get that. You know, but the thing is, this song was part of Maiden, which was the best album of Japan, to be honest. So this had a much more interesting impact compared to comparatively to Sukiyomi. And granted, you know, Sukiyomi did also sell very well, but I'm pretty sure by the time they weren't probably expecting that, and they already had locked in that Ichiban was going to be the song. What's very interesting is that Creva did did everything for this song. Lyrics, lyrics, uh, sound producing everything for this song. And I'm not it surprised. Is, it's very Creva. Yeah, it is very Creva. But you know, it is hip hop sound, and obviously, this was the thing that really made a nosedive of what that particular album did. Granted. Honestly, we don't think it's this. It's good. We don't think it fits them. But my my whole point is, you know, they this this song was there. This song was there. Then you know, this is probably what the third time in presidents that we have heard King and Prince do a song that isn't Johnny's like. Yeah, I think it's their third. Yeah, Third I mean, Tsukiyomi is, is, is part of that. They are, in turn, going to be the next Odyssey. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. How many songs of Odyssey of that isn't traditional Johnny's have there been? A good handful. A very mm-hmm. good handful. So, I get it. I get it. Trust me, I really get it. I had wished that, you know, Ichiban wasn't the song. But the fact that it ended up being really, really stupid popular on social media and all that, it's the reason what they did. To pick a song like this is a gosh darn insult, in my opinion. Yeah, it's... Yeah, 
And I, I do see your point because uh, Sukiyomi was a last minute hit. If that, and so you know they probably had you know Ichiban lined up for a long time. It, it was very popular, uh, even though uh, I, I know none of us on the show liked it. Uh, and you know, some and you know, sometimes they'll you know you got to cater to that, that audience and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I do think I, I I think I would be okay with this performance if the choreography had been there. Uh, and but I feel like the choreography is also a little lackluster, and that that's just mm. that this that's the other thing. It's like if you're going to do a, a dance number like. Ichiban really bring the the moves, and I, I felt like the choreography is just subpar. Yeah, and overall, you know, for for us, <laughs> like for 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 me, <laughs> I don't think dancing is their strongest strength. <laughs> it ain't. I do. It, no, I I can see that easily, and I've noticed that over the years. I, I, there's 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 dancing, and then there's Johnny's dancing. I think they're good Johnny dancers. I, I think they're really they're good, good doing Johnny's like traditional dancers. Johnny's yeah, they're, choreography. They're good Johnny's dancers, but look look at what Stones and Snowman is. They're, they're a much more modern day what is dancing, like LDH, <laughs> yes, like yes. LDH oh. dance moves. Yes, yes. I mean, like. I, I would say this much. If if Naninimodanchi did something like this, would you say have the same criticisms? Probably. They're, they're, they're a little bit earlier on. They're not as established. I, I wouldn't I would be I wouldn't be surprised if they did a track like this, because it seems like uh, Johnny's is trying to make all of the groups do a track kind of in that Western style of dance. I mean, this isn't this isn't a new thing for Johnny's. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, you know, when we did our our Odyssey Spotlight on Odyssey, you heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do they do do this uh, on occasion. So I I wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, you know, if if mm. Nani Wadanchi uh, and who knows Nani Wadanchi might be a fantastic. Uh, like they did incorporate a little bit of rapping in one of their uh, one of their tracks of recent. I, the name is escaping me, but you, you know, th- like they they could be good. I don't know, and until they do it. Uh, but I I've seen King and Prince do that style three times now, and three times they've dropped the ball. So I'm like, I just, yeah, like yeah. like there there comes a point in time where you have to look at the quality of your work and go, okay, guys, this isn't what we as a unit are capable of, of pulling off. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I like, I, I mean, I've never been the biggest Western style music fan to begin with, but you, you know, to look like at Nani Wadanshi, you know, if I'm, I'm assuming they're going to try it at some point and I, I'm going to reserve my judgment for when they finally pulled the trigger on it. But I'm gonna pull up the I'm gonna pull up them receipts after. <laughs> I'm gonna remember this conversation. You'll because... remember, yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Uh, uh, but and, and I don't know if I'll like it or not. But I, I'm willing to give it a shot because, uh, like, it's like, like I said, like we, we we've given King and Prince this this chance like three times, and I just I just don't think it suits them. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, and, and another thing is too. This is this is a, also a side to how we take in their content. For us, 
for Johnny specifically because not, none of their none of their stuff is available digitally. We have to be forced to watch the music videos. So obviously, if this if a song is dance and heavy incorporated, that's the first thing we see. Ah, uh, that is true too. So that that's another thing that we also if 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 people are being like you know why are they being so harsh on just dancing when you don't really that's not their main point. The main point is how we take in their their content because of the fact that it is not available internationally on digital. We have to watch the music video. So the first thing we see is those dance moves. If it's a song that is very heavily in that in that genre, so yeah, that's the claimer for that. <laughs> but I know we kind of harped on it a little bit longer than I needed to. But the fact that is. At the end, I'll be all. This song wasn't the song that I think John or that King and Prince needed to have put on. It just isn't. To show that they're Ichiban, it's not. It's it's to show that they're number one. That is a very cocky move, in my opinion. But overall, let's go continue on to the thirty-third act here, and it is official Higedandism with their song subtitle. I, I've always knew that they were going to do subtitle. A lot of people thought that I was crazy for saying Mixed Nuts for, wasn't going to be the song of it. What was it? Mixed Nuts? I forget. I, I just, I don't yeah, Mixed Nuts. Yeah. Mixed Nuts. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone was like, oh, but, but Spy X Family. Oh. <laughs> no, it was always going to be, it was always going to be subtitle. That was going to be on here. And I really liked what they did for the studio set up for this they had it snowing throughout and really kept into the theme of what this song is of you know just ice crystals and stuff like that and i personally really really loved it and honestly i've i became a huge fan of official Higa because of this past year and subtitle is a major factor of that yeah i think subtitle this was a great performance and i really do enjoy the song and seeing it in that large stage just worked so well and i also like the utilization of the stage how they had that winter you know the wintry look with the snow falling the dark lights and then just how that progressive you know it changes a little bit you know as you see the darkness and then it just lights up that progression with the music and I think it was a great choice stage-wise because it fit the track so well. I think Official Hige did a great job vocal-wise, just the band, everything was perfect. Yeah, this was a, a really good performance and I am glad they did pick subtitle. I, I thought they might do Mixed Nuts because uh, we, we talked about this before. Some years the Kohaku kind of leans into anime. They didn't do that this year uh, and uh, Honestly, subtitle is a better song. So, you know, everybody wins here. Uh, this was an amazing performance. And this is uh, really a s standard bear for, you know, if you're, because when you, it's a band, you know, and you're doing a live performance, like you can't do like all these dance moves and stuff like that. And uh, so what they did is they really made this dynamic stage as, you know, it starts off like this light snow, 
and then the lights come on, you know, these little lantern lights come on. And then, you know, as the song builds up and it swells, the lighting changes, the snow gets heavier and it really wells up into this great performance overall. And it really just sells this as a, as a performance. And I, I, I loved this. I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and definitely one of the better acts of the night. Uh, this was a great performance by official Hige Dondism, and uh, they really know how to entertain an audience. Well, yeah, with that, let's move on to number 34, and it is I'm You with her rendition of Heart and Kimi wa Raku o Kikanai. Now, personally, I really love the pace of the song for heart and i was really really happy on how it was reflected within this performance and having the rendition of kimiwa rako kikanai really gave that that song power that i didn't really think it had when upon the studio version of it and have it being performed with another band really helped that point Oh, yeah. I loved how it started out with heart and you just hear her vocals and mainly that the vocals and the guitar and then how it flows into Kimiwa Doku Kikanai just was so befitting. And just I loved, like Ken said, with the live band in the background. I just think it fits so well. I'm on I'm vocals were amazing. And I thought this was a great little medley of both you know heart transitioning into kimiwa roku okikanai uh yeah so i i don't know i, I have a slightly different take uh, i i really liked both songs uh that being said i really felt like heart was such a good performance uh it was mm. a stunning moment and i would have loved had she just kind of it, like just let you know do the full version of heart and just let that kind of be it and let that be her song uh i really enjoyed um uh, kimi wa rock o kikanai uh but I, I there was just there's something mesmerizing about heart that mm. i just it just sucked me in so much uh i mean the the way she was able to command her presence with just her a guitar and her vocals. I, I mean, yeah. it, it's so, cause usually when you were, when you're watching the Kohaku, like you can still hear the crowd, but I mean, that's that, that whole arena was silent the whole time she was singing heart. I mean, it just, it, she captivated that entire audience and me included. I, I, I was, I was hooked on her every word. Uh, and I just, I really, really loved Heart. Um, like I said, I, I did enjoy uh, Kimi Wa Rock O Kikanai. Uh, this is a fun song. It's definitely a good transition. Uh, and I, I see why she, she did it. Uh, but really, I, I would have been happy had she just done Heart. I, I really felt like that was the stronger I, of the two songs. But, uh, you know. I think, I think one of the reasons why... And, you know, I'm happy that you really enjoyed this. This is coming from a guy that d isn't really the biggest I'm young fan <laughs> to hear that, to for you to say that. 
That's yeah. Uh, she she has some songs that I like. Uh, yeah, I'm young can be hit and miss with me. But yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I mean that that's every every single artist at this point. <laughs> that is every single artist. <laughs> I'm picky. <laughs> so, but you know, like coming from you, the the person that you know doesn't at one point in time saying you would not caught me dead at an Amio concert. That is really good to hear. <laughs> but I think also this kind of goes hand in hand because of who the next act was and the fact that I think if you went to heart into the next act, I think the entire crowd probably would have fell asleep. <laughs> that that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You, you definitely need something to wake the crowd up. Also, something you know, to kind of jive jive into yeah. that because you know, I mean, we're beating around the bush here, but let's just go right into it. You know, the next act was a special guest one of Yuzu uh, Kayama, and I get it. He is a literal pillar of the industry, and he does his song of Umi Sono Ai. But gosh darn, I mean, this is his last performance that he wanted to end on with the Kohaku. But man, did it really drag. And it really, really messed up the pace that they had for the Kohaku. And it got to the point that after I heard this, I really wasn't enjoying much of anything after that. I easily can see where you came from there because I also understand, you know, listening to them, how big of a pillar uh, Yuzo Kayama is. But I felt the same way. I was just like, wow, this is just such a slow track that just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, this, this performance really goes on for a long time. And... Like, they could have chopped it in half. Like, I get it. I get it. He is a guy who is a pillar of the industry, and he wants to go out with a bang. And But this, and another person who is also going to be taking a hiatus that we'll talk about shortly, just, this was the wrong songs to be like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand my stage right here and say it quits. I just... The pacing was so slow and it really dragged. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does. It it drags pretty, uh, pretty hard. And uh, just this song really does overstay its welcome. I, I I'm with you guys. I do get it. Uh, this guy uh, Yuzu uh, Kayama, he, you know he he's been a pillar of the the industry for a long time. Uh, I understand he wants to go out on his terms, uh, and he, I, I respect that to some extent. But I, I don't know. I would I would want to go out with a bang, and I, this is not a bang <laughs> to go out on. This is a silent whimper. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But uh, you know, uh, he he does turn out a a good vocal performance uh, at the very yeah. least. I mean, you, you understand. Just hearing him sing why he's such a pillar in the industry. But, yeah, with that, let's continue on to the 35th act here. And it is Superfly with her song, A Beautiful. Now, this, I really liked how this was renditioned and how it was presented was absolutely perfect. I, I for, for me, it's probably one of the highlights for the, for the red side here. Of how Superfly was on here. And I know Kyo is like just 
It was so uppity because he really likes Superfly. <laughs> I do too. I've been listening to Superfly a lot lately. So seeing the performance of Beautiful, I just absolutely loved it. Shiho's vocals are just amazing and always a treat to listen to, especially live. And I also like how the stage transformed with her as well. Yeah, this was a really good performance. And uh, I want to go back and listen to this. Uh, I, I was looking it, it up because uh, I really like the song. Beautiful is fantastic. And uh, so I, I think I'm going to go back and get the album that it's on, which I think is their second album. Uh, this this was a lot of fun. I really like this. I liked I liked how it starts off and she's like kind of by herself in a sea of stars and like eventually like the lights come on and you know she's surrounded by the band and she's you know in this walkway of the clouds uh just it, it's done so well and there's a nice spectacle to it i mean they really utilize the stage to a good effect and i mean she kills it so this was a great performance for superfly but yeah, with that, let's continue on to the 36th act here, and it is Fuji Kaze with his song of Shin U Nogawa Ewa. And see, so, yeah, I'm not too sure how you guys felt about this release. I mean, we haven't really heard a peep from him throughout the year. And while it was a really good rendition, and I really appreciate what he's, what he was trying to do with this this performance at the end I'll be all for me I just thought it was it was okay and I kind of forgot about the song I did not listen to Shinonogaiwa I do love that you know his shtick is the piano and I love that opening with him just playing in the piano and I'm centering on that I absolutely love that about this performance. But, I mean, that's with all his performances. I think the uh, Shinu no Nogaiwa uh, no was okay. Wasn't my favorite by him by any means. But I also think he's really handsome, so I get mesmerized just watching him on stage. Uh, I have mixed feelings about this as well. I, I, I'm with Luna. I, I love the piano opening. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a great jazz pianist, and you kind of get to hear that a little bit uh, in the opening for this track. Uh, but when the song starts, I'm like, it's it's all right. It's definitely different and a little bit out there. But uh, you know, for what it is, I, I thought it was okay. Uh, you know. I'm always interested to see like what Fujikaze is doing. Uh, I actually uh, hit the plus sign on the album that this song is featured on because I, I want to listen to the the album that that thing comes on. I, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of this particular track, uh, it, I mean I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. it it's, I was just kind of like mixed feelings about it. It's like it's okay for what it is. Um, he has better work though. And so, but I do want to check out his new, his latest album. So I'll probably be doing that. But uh, overall, I thought this was okay. It's definitely different. It's, it's really weird. There's like his face superimposed behind him. Uh, the whole stage is blood red. It, it, it's really out there as far as performance goes, but it's okay. Uh, like I said, it, it I'm really mixed on it as a whole, but 
uh, it's nice to see Fujikaze because he, he's he's always doing something interesting. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the 37th act here, and it is Ryoko Shinohara with her song of Itosha to Setsuna no Kokuro Zosato. It is a remastered version of her hit song from 1994, and it is, technically it's a song from the Street Fighter 2 movie, the, the digital movie here, and it's actually going to be part of the image song for Street Fighter 6, so it, there's another reason why that, that this song re-released was going to happen, so. Overall, I, I really like the nostalgia, even though it's as basic as it was, I really like the performance. <laughs> I actually feel the same way as you, and I just love that nostalgia factor of hearing Itoshi, Itoshisa Tosatsunato Kokuro's Zuyosa, and just Street Fighter, and I do like Ryoko Shinohara. I, I think she's adorable, and yeah, it, it, was a, it was just a neat performance, seeing her perform the slide, the nostalgia all came back, and I loved it. Yeah, no, uh, I, I like this. This is definitely something, it sounds like it's out of the 90s. Uh, I mean that in a good way. Uh, I, I really liked it. Uh, it's definitely got nostalgia factor. Uh, I, I like this. I thought it was a pretty good uh, rendition overall. Um, and I, I thought it was fun. Uh, I think she did a good job with it, and it's nice to see her back. Uh, she's looking fantastic. Yes, yes. With that, Going on to number 38, and I guess we'll, we'll consider this 39 as well because they were part of a collab pair here. It is Yuzu with their song Natsu Ido and Kanjani 8 with TWL. Now, if you guys don't know, TWL was originally composed by Yujin Kitagawa of Yuzu here, and it was composed, it was written by, by several of the other people as well in Yuzu, so. It was like over 10 years ago, so. But you talk about having a song that really brought the energy back into to the place. Yuzu with Natsu Ido really, really did that. It brought that style, that performance, it, and like the title says, it had that summer feel. And that last part with Kanjani 8 as a a bit of a baton pass was somewhat interesting, a bit, a little bit messy beforehand. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed, I always enjoy seeing Yuzu on the Kohaku, because we don't really get to talk about them as much, especially with the Oricon. And them being a big pillar in the industry always makes it such a great time and I think Natsu Ido was a great choice because of how energetic it was and it also helped lead into Kanjani 8th performance of TWL and I like how they went hand in hand and just both of them were the most energetic especially in that second half and got the crowd just joining in with them and excited and just watching the reactions of it you could tell this was a crowd favorite by far. You know, Yuzu's vocals were great as always. And I just love, love how their collaboration. And now that, you know, you met Ken, I'm glad you mentioned that member of Yuzu also contributed to TWL. 
So I like that they were able to do this together and really fit that in. And just, they brought so much energy to when it gets near the end. And I think the crowd really needed that. Yeah, this really interjected energy uh, when it needed. I, I mean, I needed it too, uh, to be honest. Uh, so th this was uh, just... I really enjoyed um, not uh, Natsu Iro. Uh, I that's a fun song. It's very infectious. Uh, I can definitely see why they played it, and uh, I'm. It's another one of those where like I thought about going back and getting the album that that song's on and listening to that album because uh, I, I did I really liked it and Yuzu usually does a good performance on the Kohaku I, I can't remember a performance that I disliked so I, I, I would do it would do me good to go back and listen to more of their work um, the Kan Kanjani 8 song uh, TWL is pretty fun uh, I it's Kanjani 8 one of those groups where it's like Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. Uh, this performance I thought was good. I didn't love it. Uh, <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, like, but I know like there's like one or two songs that they cut that I I did enjoy that I really did enjoy. Uh, TWL, like I didn't. I have so many mixed feelings about TWL because I didn't not like it, but. I thought it was just like okay. I, I see why the crowd likes it, and I, you know, everyone waving the the towel around and, and stuff. Uh, and it is nice to see Kanjani work the crowd the way that they do in this track. I mean, they they do a good job as far as that goes. Uh, but I, I I like the Yuzu a lot more than I did the Kanjani Eight. So. Uh, and I guess I'll just go on to my Kanjani 8 review because I only talked about Yuzu. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, for, for me, I it really benefited them having that baton passive energy from Yuzu. And to be perfectly honest, I think of all the songs that we have watched of Kanjani 8 on the Kohaku, this is probably their best performance that we have seen. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I do think this is their best of the, of what we've seen. I, I will agree with you on that one. I do agree. Even though Kanjani 8 isn't really my thing, I do agree with that. But yeah, shall we move on to the 40th act here? Yes. Okay. With that, let's move on to the 40th act here, and it is Gen Hoshino with his track, Higeki, or comedy as it is, and I, I think this is the ending for one of the Spy Family stuff. I have no idea. I don't watch anime. <laughs> I have not watched that one, so I am not the person to ask. It is the ending theme uh, for the first season of Spy Family. You are correct. For the first season? Okay, okay, yeah. And, uh, I, I, I men they mentioned something of it being an ending. I was just like, I, I think it's Spy Family. I don't know. I don't know. watch anime. <laughs> but with that, you know, I absolutely love this performance. And while I didn't really personally listen to Hoshino throughout the year, 
this honestly brought me back and made me push the plus sign for it immediately and for for this performance i think he had the most elaborate use of the studio sets that we have saw for this year because how it went to all these different this music room and then a regular regular house room and then outside to where everyone else was performing the cinematography was really really good and really created this illusion of him being in in a homely area which i absolutely do love i agree i had the same sentiment actually and what how hoshino gen first started off i almost thought he was actually in his own apartment or house or you know wherever he lived it looks so legit and so good that setup and just how he walked through and ended up on stage i loved it that it was so detailed and i also greatly enjoyed comedy and i also don't remember hearing it for hearing it and i do watch anime i am years and years behind though because there's too much content but this was such a great one and this is probably one of my favorite stage sets due to the complicity of it and how unique it was i i, I liked this performance i thought it was really good uh genoshino always seems to have a really good performance at the kohaku uh but he i think he made the best use of the stage i, I liked his little office that he kind of starts in his little recording studio then he walks through uh, what appears to be a bar and then onto the stage. Uh, th this was a great performance overall uh, and uh, just has like this charm to it that really just sucks the listener in. So I, I did. I, I liked it quite a lot and I thought it was a really good number uh, for him. So uh, I thought this was fantastic. But yeah. Continue on to our next two acts. They're both special, special acts here. But the first one being Kiyoshikawa with his Genkai Tapa X Survivor. Now this is he's going on hiatus, which I I didn't really catch here beforehand. So he's going on hiatus, and he wanted to at least go out with a bang for the Kohaku here. And man, I don't know if this was it. <laughs> This is another going out with a bang song for an artist that I don't think I really wish he didn't do. I get why he did it. I mean, he's at that point of the career that, you know, he can do whatever he wants. But for him to be, this is going to be my last performance and not even sing a song that he is technically known for or the style that he is known for kind of really sours me to be perfectly honest yeah and i didn't realize it was also his going on a hiatus one and i will say the entrance he made with the golden bird was like whoa in your face but the song choice is really what surprised me in that matter like you said ken and i was just like wow i kind of you know, I know he wanted to go out with a bang and a flash with all the, with the stage, you know, and how all the visuals looked, but the song choice, I guess he tried to match it with the stage. It just still didn't, you know, it just didn't hit right as a, I, this is it type of thing. It didn't feel like it. 
correct me if I'm wrong. Survivor, that's the opening for Dragon Ball Super, right? Or ending? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what it's I thought. The, the, it's the opening yeah. for Dragon Dragon Ball Super. Okay. The, the reason why he didn't just ride on a dragon again is because symbolism. He rode on a phoenix because ha ha, he's going to be born again. Ha 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 ha. Okay. That was my other question because I wasn't certain if it was like a phoenix or if it was supposed to be like the vermilion bird of legend uh the like the guardian so i wasn't certain like which mythical creature he was going for there uh but i i i thought this was one the best entrance of the night uh just the way that he just pops up out of the ground on, on the back of this bird this phoenix uh was really i like wow you know attention getting um, this is a fun performance. I, I didn't know this was a hiatus performance. I, I don't. I'm. Yeah, they 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 made it a point throughout uh, be, beforehand uh, to talk about that. You know, throughout his career, this is probably it. And then if you look on the left there, it says that it was his last stage or last last performance. Ah, uh, gotcha. So yeah, it, it's it's a very interesting song selection that he picked. Uh, I, I did like this performance, but I, I don't know if I would have picked the... I don't know if I would have gone the like, direction he would have went, but I did like this. I get it. Like, I get it. Like you, you do what you want. You do what you want. This is a song that probably internationally will probably be a lot more forgiving and understanding. But for someone of him, the second coming of Inca, the person that literally made income popular for the generation of us for him not to do an Inca song for me it's just a little bit kind of questionable yeah because Inca is really what he's known for I mean that that that's really what you know his claim to fame is and uh, it would have been nice to hear him finish with an Inca song uh, but uh, I guess uh, he wanted to go out with um, his uh, favorite or his uh, fan favorites. So I don't think this is his fan favorite. <laughs> I think internationally the song is a lot more known because no one can get in touch with Inca. But I don't think, like, 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 like I just said, I just, I don't, I don't understand the choices for this particular release. It's fine. Like, I enjoyed it, but, you know, it just soured my mood just a bit more when I was, like, looking at it and being like, really, man, you chose this to be the song that, like, yeah, I'm, I I might not come back, and I'm going to be known for Dragon Ball. It just, just really makes me mad. But, th- speaking of things that really make me mad, <laughs> the next one up here of these special guests here is uh, a special collaboration <laughs> With Yumin of uh, Yumi Matsutoya and Yumi Adai with their song called Call Me Back. And additional, you know, with another song called called uh, Sutsugo Sashim. But we'll, we'll get onto that just a little bit here. This is another interesting thing here. So if you guys don't know, Yumi, Yumi Matsutoya, or Yumin, she's a pillar in the industry. She's been going out as much as long as... as uh, uh, Hiromi Go at this point and she debuted in the music industry as Yumi Arai the interesting thing about this is 
for Call Me Back, she, they, they, I'm, I'm not too sure if she wanted to do this or not, but they scanned her and made a bunch of digital photos of Yumi Matsutoya and used AI and uh, brought older performances of her performance of this particular song of Call Me Back and made a AI sing-along version of this track for Yumi and I. Obviously Yumi Matsutoya was singing along too but there was clearly you can hear a difference in vocal tone and vocal range. Now I'm going to slightly, slightly put a conversation pin in this because this was a very interesting process and this is a conversation that we really need to have down the line because now AI is rearing its ugly head into the Japanese music industry and it was used to bring her younger self in and it used to make her sound younger as well. I, I understand. I completely understand. You want to make a thing, a thing for the industry to celebrate your, your huge anniversary, by all means do it. It's just, the use of AI in music is a little bit of a taboo, and I know, I don't want to get into this talk now, but this will be a conversation literally we'll have within the next month or so. So be on the lookout for that. How did you guys feel about this? I know you probably just did not understand what was going on, Gray, but you were probably weirded out when you saw a digital version of a lady there with her, right? Well, I, I was busy making notes the first time, and I did not quite notice that she was not real until the second time I saw it, uh, which makes me feel bad. I was like, how did I miss that? But uh, it doesn't help that they, they touched hands. I, I Oh, my Lord. It, it, it was weird, uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I liked the performance. I thought the song was really good. Uh, a callback was pretty good. It, it was nice to hear her harmonize with herself. Uh, I thought she did a good job. Uh, the second track, what was that? I mean, oh, we'll get to Sotsugyo Shashi in a okay. moment. I just yeah, wanted yeah. To, to talk about this. Yeah, but I, it was it was interesting I, I'll, I'll put it that way it's very interesting uh i i, I don't have an opinion on the, the ai stuff but uh it, it was it was different i will give you that so i am very familiar who yumi and i yumi matsutoya i understand you know her debut and i followed it so it's very interesting to see what they did and I kind of liked it, you know, it was neat to see her younger self performing with her that, you know, her now self, especially her being such a pillar in the industry, you know, and I like that aspect of it. I do think it'll, you know, if something were to happen to Matsutoya Yumi at some point, you know, it just makes you wonder, are they going to bring back her as Yumi and I? Are they going to, you know, are they going to do two digital ones? I don't know. I just have a lot of questions on this. And this is still something that you see a lot more of, not just in movies, but in art. And I think, it, you know, like Ken said, it'll be a topic to bring up another day. But I, I kind of like they did this because you get this look at where they started and where they ended up. 
and bringing that together and just you know performing with your younger self it's kind of this retrospective of wow that's where I started and here I am now and this could be not just like look wise but vocal wise and how much you've progressed so I I actually thought this was really interesting and I I enjoyed it I enjoyed the performance quite a lot yeah you know before we kind of move on here um I thought it was just very interesting overall. And like I said, well, well, I'll put a pin in this for now, for now. But going on to Tsutsuyoshashi, I thought that was, I, I felt much better a little bit about that rendition. Her with the band really, really helped out. And I really liked hearing the ambiance of everything going on with Tsutsuyoshashi. So I preferred that particular release comparatively to Call Me Bad. As a technical marvel, I can probably acknowledge it a little bit, but it's just a little bit iffy on my part, for me. Sotsugo Sashin, uh, I, 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 I like that. The... <laughs> I, I like this song. It, it was really good. Um, it's nice seeing her with the band, and I, I thought she'd done a really good job. Uh, I, I liked... Uh, I, I thought this was a really good performance, uh, and it, it has a nice little charm about it. So I, I, I thought this was pretty good overall. I also enjoyed Sotsugiyo Shashin. I think it was the nostalgia factor in it and the live band. It just was a beautifully done performance. I didn't, like, kind of enjoyed it a little bit more than Call Me Back, but I felt Call Me Back, because of how they did it, I felt was more interesting, while Sotsugyo Shashin just felt more, I mean, it had not only nostalgia, but this ambience to it as well, and it mesmerized you. With that, let's continue on to the 41st act here, and it is Kinky Kids with their 25th anniversary medley. And, you know, the songs of Garasu no Shonen and Amazing Love. Well, I honestly thought it was okay, but I wasn't really pulled in by both songs, to be perfectly honest. I felt the same way in that regard. I just didn't care for... I definitely did not care for... Garasu no Shonen. I liked Amazing Love a little bit better. But it it didn't pull me in. And this is their 25th anniversary medley. So I thought it would. But it definitely didn't. Then again, I'm super hit or miss on Kinky Kids. So... I just, I really couldn't get into it. I respect what they were trying to do with their performance and everything, but it just felt very, it felt a little bit forgettable to me. Yeah, this is okay. For a 25th anniversary medley, I mean, this is only the second time they've been on the Kohaku. uh, And uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you would pick better songs. I don't think there's anything. It doesn't. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like a joyous occasion. It sounds like yeah. oh, I'm here still. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I mean, uh, Gasu no Shonen and Amazing Love. They're both, there's nothing wrong with those. With either one of the songs, they're okay performances. But I, I don't know. Like it feels like low energy. Uh, like, like you're celebrating 25 yeah. years and. 
it just like I don't. You can't be. It bothered. sounds like you're trudging along more. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're trudging along more than anything. Like, like, oh man, I still gotta be here. <laughs> oh, how many more years do I have? Oh, yeah. yeah so, I I mean, they they give it a shot. I I would have I would have picked different songs. I, I'm certain they have yeah, better, person. you know, celebratory songs. Inter- but more, yeah, uh, it's okay for but, what it is. Yeah. With that, let's continue on to another special uh, guest performer, and it's Anzen Shitai with I Love You, Kara Hajimeyo, along with Melody. Now, this is from a band that, you know, they're, they they wanted to really honorize their fallen drummer, you know, the drummer of... Of Yuji Tanaka, who who's been with them for like the longest of years, and I felt bad, you know, for for them, you know, they you can tell that when they were singing "I Love You" Karahajimeyo, you know, the vocalist uh, Koji Tamaki here, he really brought his energy and had that emotions on stage of. I really want to honor my good friend kind of thing and you can tell that just by listening to that first verse of his his first verse of when he was trying to sing i love you kata hajimeo really showed that he really wanted to honor his friend at the grandest stage yeah i felt that too and i was not familiar with anzen shitai very well but the thing is is you could hear the oh the you could hear like the emotions in their you know in his voice and i just love that and i ended up really really loving this track just the emotions that tamaki brought and just everything and you know what he said about you know his good friend you know the vocals the 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 composition you know, I just loved every bit of this so much. I mean, I was emotionally moved. I just thought I Love You Kara Hajime Yo was just perfect. And this was probably one of my favorites, like, emotional-wise, that I connected with so much. Yeah, this was a moving uh, performance, and I-, I wasn't aware of the drummer connection either. Uh, but uh, you can really feel, you know, um, Azen um, Chitai's heart and soul in in this performance of "I Love You," Kara Haji Meyo. Uh, I mean, he bears his soul uh, in this, and y- you feel it uh, as a, as a listener. Uh, his heart and soul is is bared for everyone, and he just has this such a moving performance that really just you know left me speechless and uh i i really did like this overall i thought it was a good performance and let's continue on to the 42nd act here of sayuri ishikawa with her song amigaki goe and my goodness what a very class act a class performance by a class actor or singer here and i really really loved what 
Ishikawa did with this rendition. And I agree too. I was I love the full orchestra with the traditional I- instruments for Amagi Goei. I mean Sayuri uh Sayuri Ishikawa just I would say just blew it out of the water. And you can see by everyone's reaction of how much they love this. And this was obviously a favorite. Especially Uizimui just went crazy with his bravo. And I I just love that. And same with show. Everyone was so excited. And they have every reason to be. I mean, Amagi Goe just was so good and so memorable and just beautifully done. Uh, yeah, no, this was definitely uh, probably the classiest act of, of the night. Uh, Amagi Goe uh, is such a beautiful song, and the orchestra really just takes this track over the top. Uh, combining that with excellent stage uh, stagecraft with the lights, uh, they, they do a really good job of changing the lighting uh, throughout the song that, that matches like different tones and moods. Uh, just this was an amazing performance overall and uh, she really done an excellent job honestly I wish this was the last performance for the red same Uh, I I, I feel the same way I I feel like this is a better note to go out on than the one that the red got and I get it. We'll, we'll talk about that fairly shortly. And I get it, why they chose what they chose. But mm. overall, I think that Sayuri Ishika with Amagi Goe was a much more better note to end on, I think. But with that, let's go on to our last special guest performance. And this is another super band of Kesie Kuwata. Moto Harusano, Masanori Seda, Char, and Goro Noguchi. These are all guys from the 80s and 70s from bands such as Southern All Stars and things like that. You know, they they've been probably one of the greatest greatest guitar players. A couple of uh, old geegers sitting around and doing a band thing. Honestly. They did this song called Jidai Oku no Rock and Roll Band. I personally loved it. And it was a much better idea and a much better hit than what The Last Rock Stars did with The Last Rock Stars. I agree. Um, I thought this was super memorable. I like how they started out, have them all getting together like old friends in a school and talking and hanging out. I actually loved Jidai Okureno Rock and Roll Band. I thought the song was just the composition was so well done. And I, I just, I'm not familiar with a lot of these these gentlemen by any means but they got me very very interested i thought their harmonies were perfect the composition i i just was blown away about how good this collaboration was and i could not say enough of how much i enjoyed it yeah it, it was a lot of fun just to see you know these guys come together uh noodle around on the guitar sing a little bit 
Uh, I, I like the little play that they they, they kind of did, where it's like you know the the, yeah. the first old man comes it, in. It was. Uh, no, go on. Um, no, I was gonna say it's it was a tad bit overplayed, but I kind of liked it as well. <laughs> it, it gives it a charm to it, uh, and yeah, so. yeah, it gives that charm. It was, but especially when the other lady had came in and was like, oh, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I was a little bit like rolling my eyes a bit. But like, you know, they did a song beforehand before the entirety of the play kind of went out here. And Yosada no Hoshi was absolutely phenomenal. That first song that they played. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I, and that's a song from the 60s. <laughs> I actually I actually liked uh, Yozora no Hoshi a bit more uh, than... Um, hmm. Jidai okure, uh, okure no rock band rock and roll band although I did like the, the 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 big the big showing song at the end too uh, when you, know, you get the the other guitarists and the keyboardists and the band the full band together uh, this whole thing came together really well uh, and it's just a nice loving tribute to music and uh, yeah and I, I did I, I thought this was fantastic and really well done. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the last act here for the red team. It is Mishia with Kibono Uta. Now, I get it. They they had her dress up like a rabbit because it is the year of the rabbit for the for the lunar for the lunar year. So there was a lot of rabbit imagery all around. And I I thought this was a very interesting take because the vocals at the beginning of this re- of this performance was a little bit shaky and it didn't really catch me until I got to the chorus and I thought it was a tad bit extra to be honest and I think that it was a little bit too extra for its own good and I get why they did it why the previous the previous act of the the rock and roll band was as long as it was because they needed to have time to prepare for this. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see that. I mean, I thought it was very interesting, Kibono Uta. I love Mishia in general, and I think she always gives a great performance. And I do like how they incorporated Year of the Rabbit in it. It 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 still, I will say, I nothing beats her Disney performance. With, oh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. And that that's the thing for me. I think I was just so blown away by that, you know, by Kimino Nagaiga Sakayo Kagaya Kagaya Kukasu, that, you know, hearing Kibono Uta and just seeing that performance, it just didn't quite live up to that. So, I mean, it was great. It was a solid performance, but once you compare it to what she did earlier, it is so difficult to not just think, wow. I I mean, I still love the sets they did, you know, the dance, just ever, you know, what they did with it, her vocals, you know, and I liked that we got to see Mishia twice, two unique performances that both showed off her skills, but at the same time, it just... It's just hard. You can't top what she did earlier, and it just kind of hurts it a little bit for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought this was an okay performance. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest. The the rabbit people freak me out, and 
Yeah, I thought they would. <laughs> I honestly thought they would. I was like, ah, this is uh, one of those things, huh? <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's unnerving. Uh, just, I, it, is, I, it doesn't set well with me. So it makes it hard for me to enjoy it, the performance, just from that yeah. alone. But I, the song, I, I like it. It's, it's an okay song. Everyone is right. It, it's a massive step down from her earlier performance. Uh, I I mean that that's a hard performance to top, and I I think oh, yeah. I, I don't I like Misia I, I like seeing her here I think she's a phenomenal vocalist, uh, but I I really feel like she should have done the one Disney song and just kind of let that be it for the year instead of like double dipping, uh, because. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she had the choice in that. Though. <laughs> no, she probably didn't. Uh, yeah, I'm certain a lot of this is like contracts and stuff too, but uh, still, like it's just it, it is a lackluster performance, and uh, I don't. It's a odd song to end the Red Team's night on. Uh, it just doesn't. And I, like I like I get it. Like I said, like I get it. What the song why they chose it and stuff like that but that also kind of goes in hand in hand with the white song uh white team song as well i don't uh, we'll transition to that right now with their 44th act and the last act which is masahara fukuyama with sakura zaka this is the most downer song to end on to be honest i don't understand why you did sakura zaka of all things to end on and this is come i Luna, I don't know if you know this song. <laughs> you probably do in passing because of how famous this song is. But this song is a very downer song. <laughs> I know. And that killed me because I think they really should have switched things and ended it with Amagai Goe. Because Sakura Zaka, man, is this brutal and emotional and it pulls at your heartstrings and you feel depressed and sad afterward. And I'm just like, why did you end it like that? I mean, I, I think it's a, I mean, it's a powerful emotional track, and it's just very, it really seeps into you, and you just are like, wow, well, that that's that, that's, that's certainly that's how something. You're it? <laughs> that's how you're ending it, and that's what it felt like. And then it's really hard to be all excited and happy and sing the nears theme, you know, the theme at the end with everyone all together and. You know, it really kills it after you go from Sakura Zaka to however, you know, wrapping up the whole show. It's like, oh, man, why'd you end it like that? And I am familiar with Sakura Zaka, and that's why I was like, why? I, I like Masaharu Fukuyama, but why did you end it like this? See, I, I, I'm not familiar with the, the song, and I, I wrote in my notes, it's a great way to end the night. Because uh, I, I thought it was a nice, moving piece, uh, sung beautifully yeah, well. Yeah, and, and <laughs> and I, get it. Like, I, like, I don't know what the lyrics are saying. It's beautifully well, but it's a very downer song. <laughs> so that's why we probably, if someone heard it and just ne- didn't have any context, it, it is a nice song. It's very emotionally sung. But man, if you know the context of this, it's pretty down. <laughs> That's where b- ignorance is a bliss comes in here. Yeah, yeah, I, I was I was able to ignorantly like really enjoy this uh, number because I I did I, I loved it I loved the the little glass yeah backing and like I said it's it's a it's it's very very emotionally driven it's very beautifully sung but for people that you know it's like do you know kind of thing it's like 
Why? What? Why? Why did you choose this? <laughs> I'd rather you put Hoshino Gin as com I think comedy would have been a great way to end. I could think of a couple ones that would have been a great way to end it. You know, switch it out versus what was chosen. But that that's just for me. I mean, like, for overall, you know, at the end of the day, white team won, which I, I, I don't know. I... Like, it, do you guys, if you guys were in that voting thing, would you guys have gone with the white team? Mm, no, I, I think I would have gone with the red team. I'm in that same boat because, I mean, yeah, the white team had some good performances, but I think their red team actually had better performances altogether than the white team. I, I, Let, I, I will... I will wholeheartedly agree with that. I think the red team had, while not as memorable performances, had much more consistent performances. You have on the white team, the big black guy is going to be Ichiban. It is going. It, there's no if ands, or buts around that. Ichiban is going to be the big black eye in the white team's one. And while everything else was just okay for the red team, there wasn't a big oof like how it was for Ichiban in yeah, my it was, opinion. Yeah, the red team was very consistent in all their performances and what they did. And even though I don't care for Niju's clap clap, I still think it was a consistent performance because, I mean, their choreography was great. They interacted with the crowd. You know, but it wasn't like, throw it out, it's not consistent. But, you know, with I feel like Ichiban was the thorn that really stuck out. And pulled you away from it. And I also thought, like, there are other performances that were very metacore on the white team that were somewhat forgettable. And, yeah, I felt like that way with the red team, but at least more of those. They had, to me, they had more consistent and even more memorable performances than white. Yeah, and I, just kind of echoing what you guys have said, I, I felt like the red team was just more consistent overall. Uh and I, I historically, I, I think the past like two or three years, I, I've always felt like you know the white team was the better team, and but the red team won. And that now this year, like it's completely flipped. The white team wins, and I'm like, eh, but I really, I really think just the red team had a slightly better performance overall. It's just it's more consistent. And uh, there's just some really moving performances here, uh, like. There's only, uh, there, like, there's a couple of really notable performances in the white team, but nothing too crazy. As as much as I love Naniwa Danshi's Ubu Love, like, it's, you know, th that's more a me thing and not, like, just, like, I, I would have liked to have seen them do something performance-wise a little bit to shake it up a bit more, but... I mean, it was going to be their debut. Yeah. It always was going to be. Well, I'm saying, like, I would have liked to have seen, like, the choreography be a little tighter yeah. and stuff. But, you know, uh, you know, they, they, I can nitpick the white team a lot, a lot harder because that's where my heart is. But I, I do. Yeah. I, I think the, the red team just had a solid performance, and I, I thought they, they did a better job. What's, what's also very interesting, this is the, the last time the white team won was back in 2019, when the the last time the NHK Hall of it was happening. 
So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but overall, what did you guys think of this year's Kohaku? I know we're running a little bit long, but we'll wrap it up here shortly. But I mean, I will say this year, it did not feel as energetic. I mean, yeah, we had some great energetic performances, but it also didn't feel on par with a lot of other years, even despite when they didn't have as much of an audience. And I don't know what it was, but some things felt like, uh, I wouldn't say rushed, but it felt like it went from one arts to the next to the next. Sometimes transitions were good, some weren't. I don't know if it felt like artists weren't fully prepared for their performance or there's just some, it just felt like the energy, the air around it just wasn't the same. It, it felt like something was missing. I mean, I still enjoyed the Kohaku as I always do. There were great performance in there. Don't get me wrong, but I still feel like there was something missing. And I just, when I came down to pinpointing it, it just felt something with the energy. Yeah. Uh, I, I've kind of alluded to this throughout the 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 show I, I i i thought this was a step backwards from last year it was nice to see them back in the nhk hall uh but the performances were a, a, a little lackluster it, it seems like a low energy year and like i i know and I, I i can understand why they, they did what they did um, but I still stand by it would have been nice if they had like a couple of performances uh, like outside and stuff like that. And just to shake up the venues a little bit, because after four hours of seeing the same two stages, it gets old. And I, even even though they're doing like different stage dressings and stuff like that, like still, I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more shaking, shaking things up a bit. But overall, like it, I enjoyed this year's Kohaku. I, I think I liked last year's a lot more, though. For for me personally, just to kind of echo this, you know, like I said, I understand why they chose what they chose. Um, however, I think also because of the fact that they had to deal with people this time around is an also another reason why they couldn't just instantly kind of instance transmission around areas. So that's probably another reason why they couldn't do it as much as they could. I mean, hell, they didn't even do a a a broadcast to rock on rock on Japan or countdown Japan, which they always usually have done as per the years that we were watching. This is the first time that we were only subjugated to two areas. And you are right. You are right, Gray. It did feel like less, less enthusiastic because of the fact that you only just saw two places. However, I like I said, I I understand why they did that, and they could do more a little bit later. I mean, technically three because they went to Disney, Tokyo Disney Sea, but uh, that that's neither here or there. But <laughs> like I said, I understand why why they did what they did, and I'll give them the pass this year. But if they do this exactly like how they did it this year with only two places i think i'll be a little bit much more hammered down on it but overall on how i think about this kohaku it just didn't have the energy i enjoyed the acts don't get me wrong however especially especially after ichiban i think it took me a lot to kind of just go back and kind of do everything 
to be honest. And I enjoyed everything. I enjoyed the acts after. I, like I said, I enjoyed Aimeon. I enjoyed Official Hige. I enjoyed again Hoshino as those acts right there. But it took me all. It t like King and Prince really was that black eye that really took me out of it, and it, it was really difficult to watch after that. And I think ending with Sakurazaka, in my personal opinion, was just a little bit of a Debbie Downer as well. <laughs> but they were very top-heavy this year, you, especially with the first half. Like, Disney really helped their, helped their ass out with the second half. But if you were to judge the first half and second half on its own merits, the first half was so much better. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, for me personally, uh, like I was really enjoying the show uh, up through this. Like I, I took a break uh, between the two halves, but I, I did. I struggled getting through that back half. It, it just it, it dragged in, in a lot of places. Uh, the acts weren't nearly as memorable and it, it was a little harder to get through it. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think the first half was stronger than the second half. And for me, I know. I know, Ken, you said you really lost, you know, after Ichiban, and I totally see that. I feel like as much as I loved Aimeon's act, it was really hard to come back from that, and there were some great acts afterward. But I also felt after that Disney act and how great that was, it also kind of put you on this whole, how can they, you know, top that first half, as I feel like that was a halfway point. But yeah. I want to say thank you so much for listening to this extra long episode. I I'm, I obviously don't think every episode of the month isn't going to be this long, but, you know, it is our yearly progress of what we do for the Kohaku, and I really appreciate you guys coming to listen and joining us on this ride. We're pretty much as long as the Kohaku at certain points, but this year we clocked over three hours here, so I'm very glad for that. You can find us on all social media platforms at Ongakadu on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the site at ongakadu.com. You can also follow our affiliates, Karyu Hunter, who is a retro streamer. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash Cory Hunter, K-Y-O-R-Y-U-H-U-N-T-E-R. You can also check out Timber Taff, who is a variety streamer in and of himself. He was going around playing Warcraft, a lore um, a lore run of World of Warcraft. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash TimberTaff, T-I-M-B-E-R-T-A-F-T. You can also check out your sister, Luna Rose, who is doing a lot of, a lot of uh, collab ad revenue type of streams with HelloFresh and good for her so you go check that out if you guys are interested at twitch.tv slash rainstarkitty r-a-i-n-s-d-a-r-k-i-t-t-y you can also check out our resident author fangirl has no name you can check her out at twitch.tv slash fangirl has no name f-a-n-g-i-r-l h-a-s-n-o-n-a-m-e you can also check out the podcast that me timber and fangirl talk about the gaming industry on podosaurus if you want to hear my thoughts about Crisis Core Reunion, go listen to that because I went into full depth of what I thought about that. It is a really great game. If you guys are a fan of the original Crisis Core, go play Reunion because after playing it, I ended up thinking of it as a 3 out of 3. So go right ahead. You can check that out by looking up Corey Hunter, same as his podcast handle on all or same as his Twitch channel on all podcast streaming services. You can follow me on Twitter at OTYCan1 where I talk about Bang Dream, I Nai, Robo Call, Herobo, and all the wonderful things there. Where can we find you, Gray? 
You can find me on Twitter at OngakuGray where I tweet about what I'm watching, what I'm playing, all that fun jazz. If you're interested in what I'm up to, just follow me there. And where can we find you, Luna? You can find me on several of the social media platforms, such as Twitter, my anime list, Anime Planet, Kitsu, Letterboxd, and now Discogs as Lunamaria87. And you can follow me on Instagram as Nerdy Collector Luna, where you can see what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, and all that cool stuff. But yeah, I want to say thank you for listening to the extra long episode of Ungakadu. I'm your host, Ken, saying thank you very much and have a great day. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's extra long episode. Hope you enjoyed it and check out the Kohaku as well. Catch you next time. Jamatene! And this is great. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to probably what is my favorite episode of the year. And we will be back here next time. Bye-bye.